Tonight, the Dub Talk podcast proudly presents the main event of the evening. Two and a half hours of coverage for another anniversary episode of 2020. A friendly reminder before we begin that there may be strong language and content for, not suitable for younger audiences, so viewer discretion is advised. There will be spoilers for the anime we're discussing tonight, as well as any other anime that may occur, so be very wary if there's something you haven't listened to yet. Most importantly, the views and opinions expressed are those of the participants in tonight's episode, and do not reflect the podcast as a whole. Tonight, we are going to witness the weirdest anticipated review in the history of Dub Talk for the month of September 2020. Podcast fans, are you ready? For the hundreds in attendance and the thousands of subscribers on our YouTube, from the Dub Talk Studios in Hollywood, Florida, ladies and gentlemen, Let's get ready for a game battle! Hello and welcome to the Dub Talk Podcast, where tonight a group of high rollers get together to cover their favorite anime. I'm Yudita Jamal and we have a good one for you tonight. As part of Dub Talk's 5 year anniversary, each host has covered a different episode for each month, and this month is my turn, because tonight we will be covering the anime Real Rainbow Gate, licensed by Media Blasters and dubbed through a joint effort between Soundcaden Studios and Culture Sound. Now, for those of you that are wondering what the show is about, it's basically Vegas the anime. For lack of better description, that's the TLDR version, yes. Yeah, what I mean by that? Well, the story is as goes. The Howard was sort is a. Uh, <coughs> I already messed that up. The Howard was. Ah, uh, goddammit. You can the do ha- it, I believe in you. The Howard was sort hotel is a mega entertainment destination where high rollers gather from around the world to play big and win big. Meet dealer Rio Rollins. That's a mouthful. Meet dealer Rio Rollins. She's the beautiful goddess of victory who tries to live up to the legendary reputation of her dealer mother. To be declared the MVCD, most valuable casino dealer, Rio must earn and collect 13 gate cards and compete in a series of wild, sexy, breathtaking athletic competitions against other cutthroat rival dealers. Set in a lavish, futuristic gambling resort, the exciting gate battles are about to begin. May Lady Luck be with you. Can I say one thing? Yes? Wild, sexy, cutthroat battles. <laughs> oh, God. Um, you knew what you were getting into, and if you didn't, you poor sucker, why did you agree to this? Why? <laughs> I mean, here's the problem. This is my first time watching the show. I can't help it. <laughs> I'm like, okay, long story short... So my involvement, real quick with this, is a few years ago, kind of when we were still just starting out as a thing, we all went to each other for recommendations for shows, and everybody had to pick a show for a person to watch. 
Jamal told me I needed I should watch Rio Rainbow Gate. I never got around to it. So when we were planning the episodes for this year and he picked Rio Rainbow Gate, I'm just like, you know what? This is my excuse now. I'm going to do it. <laughs> so here I am. And I have no freaking clue. I still don't know what happened in this show. I'm very confused. Yeah, I think to help break this down, I've assembled uh, my finest players yet. We have Amon. Pick a card, any card. Doesn't really matter. The house is going to win anyway. Sorry. <laughs> and we have Steph. I'm good at blackjack. I'm not good at this. <laughs> like, where am I? Why am I here? What is life right now? We were supposed to be joined by Spaceman Hardy tonight. However, he had to cash out due to unforeseen circumstances. But uh, we wish him the very best. So. It's kind of interesting because for the longest while, when I first came across this show, it was very unique in that it was kind of an acid trip for me. Because, like, I've never seen a show like this before. I mean, to give you context, this kind of predated stuff like Pop Team Epic, Anime Gatteries, and the like, so... What, what, what year was, um... I know the dub was actually within the last five years, but what year was the show coming out in general? The show itself came out in 2011. It was animated by a studio called Sebek, which is no longer. <laughs> May they rest in peace. Ah, <laughs> oh, Zebek. Yeah. Good old Zebek. Yes, good old Zebek. It's kind of interesting because, like I said, the show is kind of wild and. It, it turns out it's also based on a series of Pacheco games, I believe. Mm -hmm. Is it really? Yes. Yeah, I think it's called... What the a, actual hell? <laughs> yeah, I think it's called Super Blackjack. It was also another game that the main character, Rio, was in. Well, that was also for a game in the, on the PS2 in Japan, but she, oh did make a, but she did make a cameo in, a, I think it was Dead or Alive Paradise. Is this why you guys are making so. so many stinking references in the chat while watching the show that I had no fucking clue what you were talking about? No, that's yeah. because that's because Tecmo, who own those video games, have inserted references to other properties of theirs into the anime. Oh Christ! Speaking of companies, uh, God, this anime came out after Tecmo folded. Yep. <laughs> this, really? This, I, I, this, I I I don't think it was. I don't think it was meant to be, but this ended up being a little bit of a last hurrah for Tecmo, I think. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah, so if it's if it feels kinda unfinished, maybe it is, who knows? Still wanna know what the hell is up with those two characters at the end though, but that's another discussion. Yeah, there's clearly there's no season two, so it just leaves off from there and it's that's it. <laughs> But as and kind then of you have the OVA episode, and then that's, that, that's the fun one. Mm -hmm. That is true. And uh, it's kind of a shame he's not here tonight, because this also had the distinction of being the only show I've been trying to get Hardy to watch for the last couple of years. Because for context, uh, every year, some of us at Dub Talk get together for, for A-Fest. Oh, yep. Well, we try to show each other some uh, unusual anime. I remember somebody tried to show me Garcia's Wing at one point, I fell asleep. An appropriate reaction to Garzy's wing. Yes, you you lucked out on that one. Honestly, I also Garzy's wing too. It is awful. I also lucked out on the Nazi the uh, Ico dub, the first one, the one that doesn't exist. You know. 
And then, what was it last year? Hardy was trying to get us to watch fucking Mad Bull 34. Was that last year? It was, was Mad Bull 34. No, year, year before, before. yeah. Because what was it? I remember... <laughs> I remember the big point of contention about it was trying to get Andrew's reaction because, of course, he's he's the babby of the group and he gives the best reactions to shit sometimes. <laughs> so Hardy's like, we need to watch Mad Bull 34. <laughs> I, I remember you tried you said you tried to get us all. I have not seen Mad Bull thirty four. You might have been like you were either probably in the other room or asleep at the time because it was pretty late when we when we did Yeah, I think them. I think it was both. Also on top of that, I think you think you tried to show me bastard one type but you never did or you just forgot about it. And then there's Charge Men Ken. We we all talk about Charge Man Ken. Speak for yourself, I will constantly talk about Charge Man Ken. <laughs> Well, that's because it's your brand of bullshit, so... <laughs> also, we watched my copy that I bought in the dealer's room, so... Oh, yeah, because we recorded... What was it? We, we were in the midst of recording the um, Guess the Anime Challenge. Megan and yep. I are, were in the other room, and meanwhile, everybody else is in the in one of the other hotel rooms being subjected to Charge Man Ken. And then Megan and I come in, and we're like, what the fuck is happening here? And we watched an episode, and we're like, what is this? Extremely low quality animation from the sixties. I thought that was clear. Accurate, accurate description right there. Oh boy. But uh, anyway, enough with the chit chat. But I'll show it our antics while we get the ball rolling on this dub. Okay. All right. Let's do it. It's time. Yes. It's time to deal those cards. Let's go. I'm sorry. What'd you just say? We gotta deal those cards. Let's go. <laughs> I don't know. I'm terrible at this game. I'm drinking coffee. It's either going to be, again, a good thing or a bad thing. I don't know yet. <laughs> I thought I heard you say something else, but that was just probably me. Yeah. Let's start by talking about ADR directors and scriptwriters. Now, just keep in mind, the thing about this is, is the joint, like I said, it's a joint effort between Sound Cadence and Culture Sound. Culture Sound Cadence, huh? I like them. <laughs> Anyway, it's, so it's a small head for staff, some of them point double duty. Starting with our directors, we have Abilene Connors and Brittany Larder. They're also assisted by uh, Howard Wang, Justin Briner, and Matt Shipman. And for our scriptwriters, Justin Briner is, all, is one of them. He's actually the head writer, if you can believe it. Yeah, I saw that in your notes, and I'm like, oh, okay. It's very rare to see Justin as a writer instead of just acting. Yes, and, he, and uh, he's also assisted by uh, Abney Connors and Howard Wang. So, for other works these people have done, Abney Connors has also directed C. Hunter Shinjuku Private Eyes, BDX and BDX Neo, Hells, Galaxy Express 999, Eternal Fantasy, and Actor Sog's Connection. As scriptwriter, she's mainly done script supervision for the City Hunter movie, the Galaxy Express movie, and Kimono Friends. Brittany Larder, she's also directed other, st other stuff such as Aino Kusabi, World War Blue, the Morose Mononokian franchise, Legend of the Galactic Heroes Die Neue Tessa, or the New Thesis if you don't speak German, and she and her cat Everything Flows. Howard Wang has also directed other stuff such as Kimono Friends and Thermai Romai, but he's also written for shows such as Hell's, uh, Most A Million Author, Nichijou, and Thermai Romai. For, for the love of God, please watch Thermai Romai, it's fucking funny as hell. 
I know nothing about it. That's the Roman Baths one, right? Yes, I know nothing oh, about it. Right, right, right. Okay, I was like, what the fuck is. I didn't recognize it by name. Sorry. I need, need to watch that one. <laughs> that is a devious <laughs> laugh, and I'm terrified by you now, Jamal. Trust me, it's, it is a lot of funny. Anyway, well, speaking of funny, uh, Justin Bradis only credit here is he wrote for Taboo Tattoo. <laughs> oh man, can I share a story about Justin? It's Andrew's story. Um, but he told me about it. So, Justin Brino was a guest at Anime NYC last year. And, um, when Andrew went to get autographs from him, he had mentioned to Justin that, um, that he had a lot of fun watching Taboo Tattoo. And and it just kind of came up in general. And Justin was just, from mine, from what he told me, was just like, oh my god, I'm so happy you watched it. I don't get to hear that often. I'm like, oh my god, Justin's precious. Justin Briner is a precious human being. Yes, he is. I wish he did more ADR stuff too. I uh, I kind of want to hear that too. Like, yes. I really would like that. Speaking of ADR, Matt Shipman has also directed other stuff, such as I know I know Kusabi. How heavy the dumbbells you lift, and she and her cat. Everything flows. So that having been said, Steph, why don't you go first on this? Sure. Um, a quick clarification. I have a question, real quick, for you, because um, you you said you said the show itself is 2011, and I think the dub was 2017. Is that correct? Yes. Okay. Yes, it is. Um, quick clarification for me because one, I forget things, and two, A N N is a weird, rely weirdly. Reliable, unreliable source. Um, I'm assuming that both studios were still were still fairly new at the time. Uh, was Coach's Sound actually legitimized, or was it just not even a studio yet? Because here's the weird thing: ANN lists Brittany Lott as director credit with New Jersey in parentheses, and I'm like, wait, <laughs> hold on. <laughs> Like I want to, I, I feel like Kocha would have been established, but then again, I don't remember Kocha being a th- fully functional thing until maybe like 2018 at the earliest. Okay, well, to give you context for that, because the earliest thing I remember, I had to look this up myself too. The earliest thing Brittany Lada directed was a uh, Ladies versus Butlers, and right. uh, I went to see the dub announcement to see when the studio was established. It was 2015. Okay, so the studio was established at the time. It's just and it is very weird and labeling labeling it very weirdly. Uh, cool. <laughs> just making sure. Um, oh boy. So directing and writing. Chris. Oh god. So I'm gonna admit that my the show made my brain hurt a lot. It really did. Be- and it's gonna be a double edged sword for me because. This show clearly, clearly is supposed to be fun popcorn material. As someone who's this is their first time watching it, and they have to watch it from a critical standpoint, <laughs> I was so confused by a lot of the logic of this damn show, and I was just put off by it a lot. 
that every time, because I realize it's popcorn material, but every time I kept trying to be critical of it, I'm like, this, my brain was focused elsewhere on the show, not the dub. And I'm just like, no, Steph, stop, don't do this. Um, so my thoughts throughout the whole episode might be a bit weird, because <laughs> a uh, double-edged sword of trying to have critical brain on a show that is clearly popcorn material. <laughs> but that being said, um, the directing and the- This is- Rio Rainbow Gate is a thing that exists. <laughs> to put it lightly. Um, honestly, this show, considering this is one of the earlier works for both Sound Cadence and Coach of Sound, you can tell that is it is a fairly early work by these two studios. Um, a lot of technical pieces, uh, were very- in, were, kind of jarring at points. Um, I remember there being times when lip flaps don't match. I remember there was an episode where freaking Tom Howard's mouth moved, but no sound came out for a sentence. Uh, so, the it's not a technical marvel, um, so it, it, it does lend to uh, some possible issues that were had throughout production. Who knows? Um, I do want to give credit to the writing of the show because god damn it some of these lines <laughs> yeah. like i wrote a few of them very early on because this is my brain picking up on the weirdest of shit like we had we have the wonderful wonderful moments such as you do you girl i want to throw up from all of the awesome uh what else there was a surprise bitch moment uh, later <laughs> in the show, and a character referred to Rio as baby girl, which was extremely fucking cringy. Holy crap. Oh, and I have to give credit <laughs> to whoever wrote the, the one line in episode 8 that's a Gurren Lagan callback. Just who the hell do you think I am? For probably the most stupidest character in the goddamn show. <laughs> and we'll get to that in a bit. But, like, normally, in normal cases like this, I would, like, be very, very annoyed and put off by writing such as this. However, these actually work in fun little moments, and a good chunk of them being comedic moments, that I actually didn't care all that much. Because, again... Pop, pop, this is again a popcorn anime, popcorn material anime. Like, you're it's not gonna be mind blowing, it's just so much fun, and the writing reflects that. So, I have to give credit to the writers on this one, um, for going that route and giving because I have not watched the Japanese, so I don't know what the original sounds like, but giving it a lot more fun banter and material, giving it more life essentially. Um, directing wise. Aside from technical issues, probably on the mixing front um, and some missing lines here and there. Direct, uh, Directing-wise, I think it's pretty good. Uh, casting was pretty solid and a lot of fun because at this, in 2017, some of the names that we're going to be talking about, you don't hear about too much. Uh, but at the same time, having it split between the Texas area and the New York area is actually very, very interesting, uh, especially for one very hammy performance later on that we're going to discuss. But um, 
TLDR on my thoughts here. It's it's not a great dub. It's pretty good. You can tell it's a very early on one for these two studios, but it's still a lot of fun once I finally get past the brain hurting moment and the logic of the fucking show. I'm gonna shut up now. Okay, I'm on. Uh, Steph, you, you mentioned the, the logic of the show confused you or you didn't think there was any logic? Again, I think it's my critical brain trying to be critical of a show that I really shouldn't be critical of. It's just being fun. That, I mean, there, therein lies your mistake because there is logic in this show, but unfortunately it is Yu-Gi-Oh! logic. As, <laughs> as anyone who has watched enough Yu-Gi-Oh! can tell you, uh, Yu-Gi-Oh! logic... Yu-Gi-Oh! logic is no kind of logic at all. Oh my god. It, no, you're right. And Andrew, oh my god, Andrew watched most of the show with me. And he made so many stupid cracks at, like, Yu-Gi-Oh! commentary moments. I'm just like, oh my god. It's, it's great. It's kind of funny because I do get kind of a millennial puzzle vibe from all these gates. Definitely. Not, not only that, I kind of realized before recording that I think one of the characters looks like Maximilian Pegasus. And we'll get to him in the next section. Oh, <laughs> uh, Andrew made one comment. I think when we were watching some of the latter episodes, he's like, "Oh, Seto Kaiba would not be good. Would not be chill with this." I can't remember what moment it was when he said that. I'm like, "Fuck you, dude." <laughs> anyway, yeah. If you if you're listening at home, do you enjoy Yu-Gi-Oh? Do you like the card games on motorcycles? Weird bullshit aspect. Do you enjoy Yu-Gi-Oh? Abridged. You might want to actually check this show out. I think I think you'll enjoy that. If you like riding that vibe, you'll enjoy that here too. Um, but onto the actual dub. Uh, I enjoy this dub a lot. Um, this show has no business being any good at all. It is based on a pachinko game. It sh it shouldn't even be bad. It should just be so boring. It's tedious. Which is odd because isn't it usually the inverse when it comes to anime pachinko? I don't know. I mean, usually it's usually anime properties just kind of get slapped on pachinko machines, so pachinko parlors and their companies can make money off of. Are there other anime based on pachinko machines? Uh, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I know this other anime is based on gambling, but we'll get to that later. That's yeah, true. Yeah. Um, but I think this is the first. I mean, this is the first one I know of that's specifically based on like a pachinko machine mascot, which is interesting. Um. But I'll get into this much later in Final Thoughts, but, like, I think this is a really, like, fun show that's a lot better than something based on a pachinko machine has any business being. Uh, and I think the dub's very reflective of that. Like, I had a real hoot watching this. Uh, I think it's really lively. I think you can tell that everyone working on this had a lot of fun working on this. Uh, it is... I, it's, it's, I, I didn't watch it in Japanese, and I, I don't, you know, speak slash read Japanese, so I can't say this for certain, but it seems like it is, you know, not, it doesn't go too far away, it does punch up the, it does punch up the dialogue a little bit, you have more, you know, sort of references and slang than you would get in, like, something Funimation is putting out right now, or maybe even, I don't know if I the time this was being dubbed, but, uh, I enjoyed that, uh, there is a bit in, I think, episode three or four, where somebody, uh, makes one of the characters compliment somebody on a good job they did, and I see what you did. <laughs> I, I watched Homestar Runner. I know what that means. Good job. Is, is that you, Justin? I don't know which whichever one of you did that. Congre uh, kudos, you you made me a fan. Good for you. 
He won over Amon with a single sentence. Amon is, it's very easy to get Amon in your corner. You just need to speak his language. That's all you really need to do. <laughs> Uh, th this was just a lot of fun. Like, this is a very, like, uh, goofy, melodramatic, uh, sort of quasi-sports show. Uh, and I think the dub just did a really, really good job of feeling very appropriate for it. It knew how, like, uh, this is very much a dub that feels like it knows how silly and frivolous the show is, and it's not ashamed of that, and neither is the show ashamed of how silly and frivolous it is, and I think it worked very well. Uh, this is this is the kind of show that does not exist in contempt of its own material. Which I think is important because you can you can easily get a dub by this that is either really lazy or made by people who think this is clearly beneath them, and it would not be any fun to listen to at all. Um, yeah, like, I think directions are, the direction by and large I think is pretty solid. Everyone sounds nice. I think the writing is very funny and very entertaining and meshes well with what the show is. Like I I had a blast with this, which. I was expecting to be interested in this show just because of how weird it sounds. I didn't necessarily know if I was going to like it. And I give the dub a lot of credit to the fact that I did like it as much as I did. It's, it's one of those moments where it's like, just steal, a, just steal a line from the show. Surprise, bitch! It's, I know I know what shows are Amon shows, but they're usually pretentious bullshit, you know? <laughs> yeah. You gotta have the fun ones once in a while, right? You can't just watch Boogie Pop Phantom all the time. You'll get weird in the head. And I'm already weird in the head. I don't need that anymore. <laughs> What, Buggy Pop Phantom, and what the fuck else is weird, weird psychological shit that we all love? <laughs> I mean, it doesn't have to be psychological. I think the Tommy Galaxy is great, and that's just kind of mm, fair. aggressively to, to Tommy Galaxy. Galaxy. I need to go back to watch that. Dang. Anyways, uh, but yeah, this is a fun dub. I really enjoyed this. Just, just a real blast to listen to. Yeah. So, uh... Uh, fun fact, because for those of us that don't realize, I we I kind of picked this because during our heyday when we started this podcast, we used to like cover a lot of Funimation stuff, mostly double talk way existed. So because it was, it was the most readily accessible, it was the most readily accessible. But then after a while, it's like you know you kind of want to branch out a bit. So. uh... Mm -hmm. I, I heard about a dub coming up for a show called Ladies vs. Butlers. I'm like, I see the cast listing. I'm like, hmm, this is uh, interesting. I never seen this this diverse of a casting before. Yeah, I know one's gonna argue Attack on Titan, but but one can argue with the casting. You know, you you, you kind of seen a lot of those major players before. I wanted to see something different, and uh, I kind of did, and uh, I saw it a different way to which. Uh, I watched part of it on YouTube when it came out, which was not the smartest idea. But then after a while, I owned up to it and decided to purchase the Blu-ray. Needless to say, I was very impressed by that dub. I was very impressed by that director because she was so new I'd never heard of her. That director in question was uh, Brittany Lauder. And I decided from then on, like, I wanted to see what more she could bring to the table. So when this show came up, I was interested because not only was it a uh, hell of an ensemble cast, which got a W for me, by the way. Oh yeah, was... I forgot you gave it the W for ensemble. Yeah, because like I said, I've never seen this much uh, unique casting before. And not only that, they were partnered with another studio I'd never heard of called Sound Cadence. Well, at the time, i never heard of them now. They like started to become one of the major players in anime, so I decided to check them out. It's also kind of funny because I realized, because I did a lot of live tweeting for the show back in the day, and uh, it turns out I 
intention, unintentionally kept a promise to Britney Lauder and with you one of her shows. Just not the show she was thinking of. Anyway, my thoughts on the dub is that uh, casting is great. It's very unique. Scripting is, I agree, it's a little odd, but it works because as a... Uh, Marissa Celetti said, when you're writing a script, you have to write for that, ty- for that time period that's given, because Toy Love, this show is playing fast and loose with a lot of its elements, so script had to match that. What it comes down to is the mixing is a slight problem, but only if you mm-hmm. really notice it, because I know it's a couple of times, there'll be half seconds where the character on screen would still be speaking, but the lip flaps were done. That was a Big problem I had in the early Lauder days, but luckily she's got a lot better. Sister, a lot better. Did she's... you did you guys notice the missing line for Tom Howard too? I don't think so. I I I don't I don't even remember to be honest, because like like I because a lot of the t- I've watched a show enough that it's imprinted in my head that I can kind of recall it, but I don't remember him missing as many flaps, but that's because he's got those big old gums, you know? Like. Well, it, 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 for me, it was blatantly obvious when it popped up. He was having a conversation with um, Cartia. It was... Freaking hell. I think I wrote it down. Uh, episode 7. I, I wrote it as a question mark because I think it was a missing line oh. when he was ca- talking to Cartia. Okay, then. I got Maybe. You. I don't know. I could be but- wrong. I might be but, going crazy. <laughs> but yeah, there's also that, and then the, I think there's also the filter on Joker, which it didn't bother me the first time around, but a couple of times where I was actually paying close attention to it, it's like I could barely make out some of the words she was saying, but mm. I don't know, maybe that's just me getting older, I don't know. But, uh... Getting older? What? What is wrong with you? You're not supposed to get older. <laughs> what is this yeah. getting older you speak of? If I could turn back time. <laughs> Steph says as she's going to be turning 30 in a couple months. <laughs> oh, you sweet, naive babe. Oh, I'm also the sweet, naive babe who's dating a babby, alright? <laughs> well, I'm, here, I'm here to tell you from the ripe old age of 31, it just gets worse. Hooray! I'm not that far behind you then. Sa- savor, savor your your save your your two years younger youth while you can. I mean, given how this year has been, it's hard <laughs> to really savor it. Mm. <laughs> it's hard to savor it when this year has been shit. <laughs> oh. Anyway, uh, well, I think everything else pretty much worked. Like, like, like I, like I said, this is not something you should really kind of take seriously, you know, it's, it's meant for fun enjoyment, and, uh, mm-hmm. you say it's a popcorn show, but I see, I see maybe popcorn to cheesecake, you know, <laughs> maybe have some cheesecake That is an cheesecake. interesting movie night you have going on there, Jamal, popcorn and cheesecake. What, what else, what else are we going to add in there? Ice cream? You're not saying no. I'm sorry. <laughs> You're not saying I, no, you, so that's I yes. start. I started smiling a little bit, so... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, hey, have some yeah. cheesecake with your cheesecake. Who knows? Why not, right? Maybe some ham to go with it? I don't fucking know. I don't know your preferences. Having cheesecake sounds like a bridge too far. It does. That's weird. That is very weird. I like the fact you said have some ham, but we're not even to Tom yet. I know. 
<laughs> objectively, or objectively or subjectively, I can't do words yet. <laughs> the best fucking character in the show, Tom Howard. Because he's a fucking asshole. <laughs> it's great. Oh, that would be funny for what we get into him. So. Oh, Lord, yes. But other than that, everybody did very well, you know. And even if it was like, even if it felt like it was something you could cut your teeth on, it it really kind of sh- 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 showed. It really kind of stood out to me very much. That's all. I'm, that's how I'm gonna put it. So, are you ready to move on now? Hey! Oh my God! I was about to say heck yeah, and then I realized here we go. We're gonna talk about the possibly the most stupidest character in the fucking show. And no, it's not Carlos Tanaka. (laughs) (laughs) Ah. So I guess we have a good deck of cards you gotta start from uh, the Joker onwards. Just who the hell do you think you am? And I'll... Oh my god. Sorry. I had to say it. Oh god! All right, I'm sorry. I'll shut up. Yeah. So in this group, we we have Joker, who's pretty much a mysterious figure in the background. He shows up for a handful of episodes, giving Rio, I guess, words of encouragement. Then we find out that uh, in secrecy, she's actually uh, her Rio's mother, Risa Rollins, who used to be a casino dealer at the previous MVCD. Upper upper. T- so the uh, it the casino dealers guild kidnaps her or tries to kidnap her to which point she ran away. Basically, she has an ability what's called a role ruler. A role ruler is an ability of a person's control a person's flow. To, it's the ability of a person to control the flow of the game. And hers is, I guess, basically hammer space or. Uh, into dimension or something like that, where she can bl- bring a player to a safe space where nobody's around. Remember how we were talking about logic a few minutes ago? <laughs> here's your here's your uh, Millennium item. I don't fucking know. Maybe I don't know. <laughs> yes, because she used to possess the uh, number two gate. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm talking about the role ruler. That's basically like your Millennium Item bullshit logic going on here. Uh, I, me, I was referring to the gates of the Millennium Item because, you know, you have to be in possession before you can take control. Also the, true. Yes. Also true. I still think the role ruler is a kind of Millennium Item in my eyes. <laughs> Go to the... Sh- no, it's the Shadow Realm. Fuck it. This is the Shadow Realm now. <laughs> Sorry. What's what's not an item in my eyes, however, is Carlos Tanaka, who's pretty much in the background for most of the show. <laughs> oh, comic f- comic foil to the very end. He's pretty much a he's pretty much Afro samurai, uh, except he kind of sucks, and most of his kindness are dairy products. Oh my god, Carlos! Carlos's only purpose. Is to serve as comedic relief, and then at the last second, he becomes I, plot relevant. Yes, his yes, his only purpose is comic relief, but that's his alter ego. His actual identity is, uh, I guess, uh, police with the uh, dealers with the casino guild's police force. Which I'm guessing that's kind of an internal security kind of thing. Which we we'll get more to that later because, <gasps> ooh, boy. 
You're yeah. in for a fun ride, boys and girls. Let's go. Yeah. Pretty much defending against evil, which uh, these next two, uh, they're more like Jesse and James, to be honest, which is ironic. <laughs> oh, it is a little bit of irony right here, yeah. Because <laughs> we have King. Oh, boy, no braids. King mm -mm. is a fucking idiot. I'm not sugarcoating it. He's a fucking idiot. So is that on contender for dumbest character in anime? Yes, one hundred percent. I was gonna say, is that you and the coffee talking? But damn. <laughs> no, I'm the one drinking coffee. I'm on the one that's making the comments. No, I mean about the, no about the, how dumb he is because usually, given the uh, person who plays this character, you usually called that kind of character a goober. So. <sighs> Look, this dub predates the goober characters, including my fucking science son, alright? And we also have Queen, whose ability is a marksmanship. Pretty much you can hear her target, but uh, other than that, she doesn't really do much, but also provide comic relief for this entourage. Uh, more on the yard to watch later and the person behind it, but getting right into these characters. Joker is played by Benny Grant. Carlos Tanaka is played by Anthony Sardina. King is played by Matt Shipman. And Queen is played by Michelle Knotts. Uh, Benny Grant, you've also heard of his Tamaya Yester in Fairy Tale. Amazon Warrior Goblin Slayer, Camila BDX. Egan the Morose Maranoki 2 and Corroded Super X Eros. Uh, I guess that breaks a whole new me to fuck Corroded this season. God so damn it. it. Trust me, if you ever see. I, I doubt you'd ever want to see it, but if you ever see this show, you will understand why I said that. Uh, Anthony Sardina, you've also heard him as uh, in this epithet erased. Dr. Grey Totally Spice, and Traveling Travis and Paw Patrol. Whoa, 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 hold on. Anthony Sardina was Dr. Grey and Totally Spice. That's what his website said. What the actual fuck? I love Totally Spice when I was in high school. Fuck! <laughs> ah! <laughs> okay, sorry. I had a moment. It's all good. I'll go back to my coffee. It's been a hot <laughs> minute since I watched Totally Spice. Mm. Back shipment. At Shipman, you've also heard this Norris and Aino Kusabi, Chrome and Dr. Stone, Hero and Darling in the Franks. Speaking of heroes, he's Reto Enjo and Super X Heroes. Oh and, boy, that show. I have heard things. And Inasa and My Hero Academia. And Michelle Knotts, you've also heard this Karina in One Piece Film Gold. <laughs> She's the current voice of Jesse, Bay. Misty, and a lot of other creatures in the Pokemon franchise. And Athena Glory in the Arya franchise. So, Steph. I'm going to start with Matt and Michelle because these two are going to be very quick and very easy to do because they don't do a ton. Uh, Michelle Knotts. Uh, notes. She doesn't have too much of a role. She's just... There, her and Matt are just there as like the villain of the week kind of scenario here. Um, though they do pop up again in tiny ways um, in the show, but I, I did enjoy Michelle. She was very tough and very 
Uh, what's the right way to put this? She's tough and very competitive, and it was a lot of fun, how brief a role it is. My goddamn science son voices the most stupidest fucking character in the whole world. <laughs> and this upsets me. <laughs> Granted, this is before Matt became my science son, as well as my tennis son. Why is- <laughs> I have two sons voiced by Matt Shipman, and this bothers me. Um, uh, anyway. No, <laughs> Matt, Matt is so stupidly enjoyable as King. Uh, he's the one who has the Gurren Lagan callback line. <laughs> this is great. But I think what sells it for me is the moment where he's a dumbass and reveals his inner thoughts very much out loud. <laughs> Oh that he gets God. caught. And then the other characters are like, are you really that dumb? He's like, I'm not dumb. I can count all the way from 1 to 38. I know my letters, my alphabet from A to Q. <laughs> like, what the fuck? <laughs> I'm just dying the whole time. She's like, okay. And, and Matt just sells it so well. It is so much fun. And I loved every second of it, even though it's a minor role. God damn it. Um... Anthony Sardinas, Carlos Tanaka, dear sweet lord, again, he is the only reason why Carlos Tanaka exists is as comedic relief. You cannot tell me otherwise. I don't even care by the end if he has plot relevancy. I don't care. This man is comedic relief, and Anthony Sardinas sells it so well. Um, I think one of the funniest moments fairly early on when they're in the um, Sky Resort, and they're trying to find who the dealer is, the gate holder is that Rio's supposed to face. And Mint's trying to hunt down Carlos because supposedly he's the gate holder that um, Rio might be facing, but it's not. And um, she follows Carlos to the observation deck. And he's just swinging a sword, like being wacko and shit, passes out, and, and security's just like, oh, this, this, this idiot had, had, ox had oxygen deprivation. A lack of oxygen. It's like, oh my god. <laughs> no, as as I'm just purely stating this as comedic relief, I loved Anthony Sardina. He was a lot of stupid fun. Uh, Melly Grant as Risa. I actually enjoyed it pretty well for the most part. Um, I actually, to agree a little bit with an earlier sentiment that Jamal pointed out, the mixing on, mixing or the filter on uh, masked Joker was a bit weird. Um, and I think, even though he's not here, I think he's the one who pointed it out. Um, I think Hardy was the one who had mentioned before that it, it, the, the filter or the mixing early on before you know it's Risa Rollins um, was very, seemed kind of heavy to try to give it a more androgynous tone. But after that, it's less so. Once we, once we, the audience at least, know that it is Risa Rollins. So I don't know if that was a conscious decision. Um, I don't know what the story is there. It was a little bit jarring, though. But um, other than that, I really appreciated Melly's performance because it was, it was a maternal figure. However, Risa Rollins does not take shit from anybody. <laughs> 100% and she will be like look you gotta fight your own battles you can do this kiddo and she'll just push you out the door <laughs> and I appreciate that a lot and I think this is the first time I get to talk about Millie Grant which is kind of sad because I want to see Millie Grant in more things I would love to see Millie Grant do more things uh someday one day 
Something that's not fairy tale, please and thank you, because that's a long show to go through. Um, no, but I I did enjoy the performance from Melly, um, despite I think it's more technical. It could be more technical things on the Joker end of it that might have hindered it a tiny bit. But otherwise, than that I really love the tone. I love the personality and the overall just competitiveness um, that Risa gets to have uh, in those episodes. But yeah. Uh, in general, these performances are fine, despite Matt and Michelle not having much to do in the whole show, so. Okay, then. I'm on. Uh, yeah, um, <coughs> uh, Matt and Michelle are very entertaining. Uh, Michelle's the fun, sort of femme fatale type, where they're, they're shooting, and they're, they're a little space game that they play. Uh... She's a, you know, she's just she's a one-off character, but I think she puts in just a good solid performance with the character needs. Uh, Matt is very funny because King is. It's probably the moment where they point out it's like yeah we know what you're doing because you've been saying your inner monologue out loud this entire time. Yeah, that's the best. <laughs> and he and then he goes in his lower like I can count all the way up to thirty-eight by myself and I know my alphabet up to Q. Uh, and he's very proud of these facts. He thinks this is very, <laughs> he thinks this is he thinks this is extremely impressive. Um, <laughs> And Matt, just, and Matt just plays him really well as being, like, really confident and really oblivious to how ill-conceived his entire plan is. Instead of, like, shoot, I should have waited until she said what hand to pick before I crushed it. <laughs> it's like, damn it, maybe I, I, I need to figure out how the hell am I going to get out, out of this? And then you see everybody else just staring at him like, is he fucking stupid? <laughs> it's true, he is that stupid. It is! It's great! <laughs> so Matt's just really entertaining. Uh... Uh, Anthony, Anthony Sardana is also, Carl Stanak is just weird. He, I, the entire show, I'm just like, what is his deal? He's too prominent to be a random side character. This all must be paying off somewhere. Where is this going? It turns to the end, it's like, oh, he's gambling cops. Okay. <laughs> sure, why not? It's the police. <laughs> Pretty much. Uh, Anthony's, Anthony's very entertaining. He just does a good job of making this character who's just very weird and kind of over the top and who just appears at various points and he doesn't really seem to connect with anything. And making him, for one, just putting, making him entertaining to watch and also making him, like, not, not, he still sticks out, but he, he blends in well enough that you don't, you don't think too hard about why this character keeps showing up. Uh, why is the comic relief so heavily centered on this character who's so so irrelevant to the rest of the story? Um, and he's very he's just very entertaining all around. I I, I found him quite fun to listen to. Whenever he's like, oh, no, Tanaka's here. <laughs> what what it? How how will this poor bastard have his day ruined this time? <laughs> Oxygen deprivation. Pretty much, or getting like clocked in the head because some thinks yep. he's a fiend or something. Didn't he, like, get stuck in that, um, virtual reality thing at one point, and he, <sighs> yeah, just, he yeah. does, like, a faceplant into the fucking window or something? Yeah. <laughs> oh, poor bastard. Um, yeah, Anthony, he's very entertaining in this. Uh, and Melly, I think she turns in quite a nice performance as Joker. Uh, she spends a lot of the initial part of it being very, you know, mysterious, because, you know, you, you know, either the audience or some of the characters aren't really aware of who Joker is, and she does this kind of, you know, 
uh, you know, sort of cryptic, mentory kind of a figure very well. Uh, but later she also gets to do more, and elsewhere she gets to do more sort of dramatic stuff, especially when you start getting into, like, uh, Rio's backstory and how all that came to be and played out. I think she turns, and I, I think she turns in a nice performance. Uh, this is more of a, this is more of a melodrama than, like, you know, kind of a, you know, a, a, a straight drama a la, you know, mm -hmm. your Fruits Baskets or something like that, where you're really right. supposed to care about what's happening. Uh, but I thought Melly brought the right touch to it. She got that, she had that right level of soap. I think a role like this, that kind of stuff requires. Um, uh, I don't. I'm trying to. I don't think I found the mixing too heavy, but I also listen to a lot of music that has a lot of distorted vocals in it, anyways. So you know, mm. years, years of be, years of parsing out what the hell people are talking about to begin with. <laughs> it uh, affects you, yes. It's true. Um, yeah, no, I thought I thought she turned in like a good, strong performance for what that character kind of requires. Uh, you know, she has to be. Just to be this weird, you know, like, uh, rounded figure of drama in this silly show about gambling and boobs. So, uh, kudos to her for uh, doing, I think, a pretty good job on that. You know, kudos. So, yeah, I'm going to start, I'm also going to start with King and Queen. Uh, Queen, Mich Queen Michelle Knotts, she did pretty good. She did her, ep she did her party episode. It's kind of funny because, uh... That's, during that same battle, at one point, she gets the upper ground when uh, Rio drops her gun. And then she comes back fighting using playing cards and shurikens. And I'm like, <laughs> Where'd she stuff those cards in her boobs? Oh, side note. Whoever decided to do the write the joke about the sugar glider, kudos to you. That was a fun <laughs> one. <laughs> yeah. Well, she did. She did very good for the most part. Then she kind of led into the background being comic relief to which at one point you see uh, Rio admit playing concentration. She shows up on screen wearing a, a Jack suit, which we'll get to Jack later. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> Man, Jack's not going to be very happy about that. No, oh, boy. Yeah, but other than that, she did very good. Uh, Matt Shipman is king. It's funny, because I've never, I can't, really, other than the dots, I can't really recall, ever recall a time Matt did a deep voice for a character before. I mean, this is basically, what if Maximilian Pegasus was a fucking idiot? <laughs> Just the dumbest. <laughs> I wonder if Matt channeled a slightly inner Maximilian Pegasus for this role. Please, Matt, did you channel a Maximilian Pegasus for this role? Probably Which not. That'd which is I, which is I lie because I just remembered he's the main character in Yu-Gi-Oh! Arc V. Oh fuck, you're right. <laughs> it's all connected, guys. It's all it's connected. This, it's this weird web. All next thing we're gonna know, the Illuminati is fucking involved. I don't know. Oh, the Illuminati is definitely it, involved with the anime. Look at what goes on there. Is Tupac <laughs> back from the dead? Oh my god. Well, last I knew, he was a hologram. So it's yes, that means he's back from the dead. <laughs> I think we better move on before we cause more trouble. stupid. Oh, God. I don't even know if I want to cut that joke down. <laughs> <laughs> we'll leave it to you, Editor Jamal. Editor Jamal lets up to his decision, but host Jamal is like, fuck it. <laughs> oh, boy. Speaking of, oh, boy, Carlos Tanaka, man. Oh. Anthony, Anthony did a very good job playing this character because, like I said, because the only thing I know him for is as in this epithet of Ace that uh, 
And this is pretty much King if he was bulky and he ran security in a museum. Seriously, if, if you ever get the chance, watch Epithet Race because he's hilarious. He's also hilarious in this role too, up to the very end, where he reveals himself, his, himself as a cop. I was like, wait a minute, what the hell is going on here? Because at one point in the end, okay, okay I, I, I wanted to keep this together with the main character, but at one point in the end, the, they bring the essentially the not millennium puzzle together. The rainbow has appeared, and then what I call the uh, rainbow six siege comes comes in, trying to take rainbow. over the world. God damn it! You're not wrong. And then I, and then I don't know where you see uh, both Joker and Carlos together, and it turns out they're part of a police force investigating insurgents inside the casino guild. Try to take control of the most valuable casino dealer, who we'll get to later on, but I think you can probably guess by the end of this episode. <laughs> so, the fact that he all of a sudden has plot relevancy, it's kind of hilarious and kind of a hell of a heel. Not, is it a heel turn or? Heel turn. Oh, okay, I'll, I'll well, know. Uh, link, uh, so. if, it's, if it's bad guy to good guy, it's a face turn, I think. Okay. He'll turn yeah. if he becomes a bad guy. Ah, gotcha. I don't watch wrestling, so I wouldn't know. So. <laughs> I don't, but, but I follow enough people who do to get the lingo now. Okay. No. Thanks, I know nothing. But yeah, Car- Car- Carlos doing the face turn. Anthony managed to pull off very convincing sides to this character very well. And I really want to see more of him. I, I, really do, I really do hope he gets more roles or at least the uh, second season episode race. But only time will tell. Uh, yeah, getting into uh, Melly Grant too. Uh, it's impressive because I don't always get to talk about Melly Grant a lot. And I think one of the reasons that I had a problem with the filter is she has a naturally deep voice. Yes. Mm. So it's kind of hard to obscure that. So either they were trying or they were not trying or they didn't really need to. So because it was because sometimes she could adjust her voice to the point that she could almost sound kind of androgynous, which I think was kind of needed for this character. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I know she's very good at androgynous because remember that, remember the BDX episode I'm on? Mm-hmm. She was so deep in that show to the point I legitimately thought it was Damon Mills. And if I could turn back time, I'd, I would have given her the Black Magic Award instead. Cause I God could, damn it for that reference, first of all. <laughs> What they we've brushed and share <laughs> twice now? No, like I, I, I can quickly agree with you that uh, Melly's natural register is rather lower. My introduction to Melly was actually I know Kusabi, and even though I did not get to talk, I was not part of that episode. Um, the performance that Melly Grant gave, even though it was a very minor character, was in a lower register, and it it took me a minute to try and figure out is this actually male female what is the point here and then it's like oh cool okay melly is a human that exists i like you so i can agree yeah. with what you're saying yeah so wherever the problem lies it makes it it didn't really bother me too much i mean and i like it's like you i also want to see another one too like i'm actually i'm actually considering i actually maybe want to watch fairy tale just for her i <laughs> it's funny You'll be at it for a while. Not if I skip a few parts. But True. It's, kind of, it's funny because I didn't say this before, but uh, oh, 
I, I, I wanted to say that uh, if Simple Gear ever came out, I hope she gets to voice Cagliostro. And then I found out it is coming out. Without the uh, Super. So that's. Uh, the, seriously, her her against Shota Aoi, that would be impressive. Mm. Mm -hmm. uh, and, you, and you see what character Shota Aoi plays. We, Megan showed us the video at A-Fest. Anyway, all four of these uh, all four of these performances are very good, and we like we like to see them in future stuff. So we get to move on. Mm -hmm. Yes. Who wants to learn the magics of Android? Oh, I do. I do. <laughs> you you just spoke Amon's language. <laughs> Coming up next, we have a magician and an android, if you can believe it. We have Dana, who owns the old theater. Somehow practices with tarot cards, which I guess I don't understand because I never really made ma much magic, but she could in some ways predict the future if you pay close attention. Kind of mysterious in her own way. It helps out Rio the gang when needed. She's also the number eight card holder. And then we have Linda, who, well, when you first meet her, she's a, a quote-unquote normal person. <laughs> With us, <laughs> with unusual super strength, and then her head pops off at one point. You find out that she's the computer terminal for this, the newly minted Sky Resort, mm. able to able to walk around in an android body. <laughs> and Lucifer uh, had every single episode in some form or fashion. Precisely. Yep. <laughs> to which, hello, gags. Speaking of which, at one point, she possessed the number four gate and challenged Rio to a gate battle on the water slides, if you can believe it. <laughs> I just realized something. How did she not fry her goddamn circuits? She's waterproof, duh. <laughs> Jesus Christ. My brain. Yeah. Anyway, playing these two, Dana is played by Michelle Rojas, while Linda is played by Sir Ann Williams. Michelle Rojas, you've also heard this Tokayata in the Assassination Classroom, Tokayata Gami in Data Life, Kanan Matsura in Love Life Sunshine, Koyagami New Game, and Shion in That Time I Got Reincarnated as a Slime. Sarah Ann Williams, you've also heard this Kiki in Hells, Midori Ikishima and Kakikurui speaking of gambling, Tsuchinoko Kimono Friends, No No and Kill a Kill, Saika and Madoka Magica, and Cole Yatin, a.k.a. Sailor Star Healer and Sailor Mood Sailor Stars. So, Steph, you want to take it from here? Sure. Uh, I'll start with Michelle because, in all honesty, while Dana does have a decent-sized role, it's not as prevalent. Um, that doesn't mean like she, Michelle fades into the background or anything like that. Um, the vocal tone to me and the personality of the character are very similar to, since Amon brought this up earlier, um, Boogie Pop from Boogie Pop and Others. Mm -hmm. It's very similar to that. Uh, so it makes a lot of sense given that Dana can be a bit mysterious and just kind of in the background and just, she's an observer character more than anything. She tries to not be active in the plot or the conversation that much. Um, 
later on in the show, she is forced to be a bit more active in the conversation um, and has a role in the show because we don't even find out she's a gate holder until the last third of the show. Mm-hmm. Um, but given the vocal tone and making it a wider dynamic in terms of different voices, I really did like the performance that Michelle gave. Sarah Ann Williams as Linda. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Linda, Linda, Linda. Where is my notes about Linda? Um. Okay. Linda is very peppy and fun, but can be stiff at times, but that's probably because she's a robot. <laughs> robot <laughs> voicing robot characters is hard ladies and gentlemen mm-hmm. it is yep. you don't you can never find a happy medium between being so stiff and robotic and having a personality but losing the robotic sense to it it is a very difficult and fine line to walk and i think sarah ann williams was so stupidly fun um, it could get a, very early on, at least to me, it was a little bit grating and annoying because it was like way too peppy and out there. And some sometimes Linda's laugh was also very robotic. <laughs> but again, that's the point. But um, it, the performance and the voice grew on me as time went on. And <laughs> fuck, we haven't brought this up yet. <clears throat> Can we talk about? The little OVA episode that's included yeah. in the set that, that they did dub, and God bless them for doing this, because Linda as King Kong is exactly what I fucking wanted in my life. <laughs> it's the thing I didn't know I wanted, but I needed so bad. It's great. Um, and it, it, that that entire episode makes me wish that the entire show was just back ass, back ass backwards comedy like this. Um, not to say the show doesn't have comedic moments, but shit more like this. But um, no, it, it was a little rough at first and could be a little grating and obnoxious at times. But all things considered, with the character and the personality, Sarah just had so much fun. She's definitely one of the actors in this show that had a lot of fun voicing their character 100%. I would say I would say Sarah, the person who voices Tom Howard and oh fuck it, let's throw Matt as king cuz he he had a stupid fun moment. Um like there are if anything this show has some fun performances. Sarah Ann Williams is no exception to this. I'm done. Okay, I'm on. Michelle Rojas, she does a good job as Dana. As uh, Steph mentioned, Dana doesn't have a lot to do in the show. She's kind of a... She's an observer. She gives out cryptic warnings and advice. And aside from, like, kind of her one, like, gambling battle with Rio, kind of hangs in the background. Um, But I do do like how Michelle brought to the role. I thought she did get that sort of, you know, mystic, witchy, reserved personality down. Um, so even though she doesn't show up too much, I, I did like her when she was on screen. I thought she she did played the character really well. Um, Sarah Williams is Linda. J- aggressively peppy. Obnoxiously so. 
uh, just just so so sugar sweet, just on point. So Sunny has had way too much coffee this morning and is always having too much coffee because she's a robot and that's how she's programmed. Um, this she, could, she has a cup of coffee every hour. Exactly. Uh, this could absolutely have descended into just being pure obnoxiousness. And I think Sarah does a good job of being just the right level of obnoxiousness for the character without it tumbling into something that's just grating and not fun to listen to. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, 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 I enjoyed her performance a lot. I thought she was very... <coughs> she was very... Inter- <coughs> Excuse me. I thought she was very entertaining. I had a lot of fun. Uh, also, on her, her end, I want to give uh, a shout-out to... Uh, the mixing during the episode where she's being like the gate battles happening she's basically being controlled by people i thought the editing they did when she's kind of like you know robot stuttering and glitching mm. out i thought was real i thought that was really well done actually uh, i thought they really you know figured out kind of you know how to like you know sample and loop that correctly so it sounded like you know the, the image you always have of like a robot doing that um, i thought that was really well both on like sarah's recording end and just for the mixing they did to put together uh, as, as someone who likes robots in fiction, I appreciate it when people put in the time and effort. So, um, yeah, Sarah, 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 Sarah's a hoot. Uh, I thought she, she, and yes, her, her whole like bit in the OVA where she, she, she say she helps some aliens and they give her her wish, which is that she wants to know what dreaming is like, and it turns into like a weird horror film for like ten minutes. It was fucking great. It was, it's it was the best. Just every, everyone's a mannequin, their heads keep falling off. <laughs> Don't lose your head! God damn it. Not how the song goes. Fuck you. <laughs> Fuck you, Jamal. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah I, thought, I thought Sarah did a, she did a fine job. I quite enjoyed her performance. Good stuff. Oh, God. Are you done? Yes. Hey, so my turn, man. Uh, Shell Will Hoss Data. Well, yes, Data is kind of an observant character. But Shell did a very good job with her because for the longest time, even when I knew the cast this, I kept forgetting she, Michelle voiced Data because I was like, well, who is this? This this, is, this doesn't sound familiar to me. Then when I found out it was Michelle, I was like, oh, that's impressive. Because at one point I wanted to put her down for voice acting Black Magic. Back when this came out, but she kind of lost to somebody else. So, but yeah, she didn't get much to do up until the last third of the show. Mm-hmm. But I thought for what it was worth, she did. Uh, Michelle did very good as well. I really, I really liked Data as a character much. I just wish Data had more to do other than just magic. Uh Sarah Ed Williams is Linda. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, she's aggressively peppy. She's it's like so I, I, I don't think coffee would be good to describe it. Maybe monster energy or something. Either like that. coffee, monster <laughs> energy, caffeine pills, or could be a stupid combination of all three of those things. And Lord. even then, you would still not get not get to the level that Linda has. No, you would need more. <laughs> more than humanly possible. So. Maybe that's why she's a robot. I don't know. <laughs> it's, it's kind of amazing because we brought it up earlier. Her voice immediately cocky glue. This is kind of a stark contrast to that character because that character is just aggressively scary. 
have not watched Kakadurui, so I'm gonna need a little context. I have I haven't either, except for one episode, maybe. But I heard some things. So, oh uh, boy! <laughs> let me just say, I'd rather be on this side of Sarah Ann Williams's Linda than Sarah Ann Williams's me. To be, let's put it that way. Gotcha. Good to know. But yeah, yeah, she manages to play the role very well to the very best of her abilities, and obviously, I want to see more of Sarah and more roles. Well, I, I haven't watched a lot of California dubs lately, so... Mm -hmm. we'll, 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 when there's a time, we will get there, though. But other than that, these two did very good. Are we ready to move on? Mm -hmm. Heck yeah. Alright, then. So, now, we, now we're starting to get into some good stuff. Right now, we're going to start with uh, Rio's Entourage. They're pretty much her support group, her best friends, and also work... Employees of uh, the Howard Resort Casino, except for one that which is uh, Rosa Canyon. She's a model and actress. Often out on a lot of glamour shoots or movie sets. Uh, you don't see her as much in the middle half. You see her in the beginning, the end. At one point during episode three, she gets possessed by a ghost named Misery. Mm -hmm. Oh God. <laughs> And she, and she tries to battle Rio for, I guess, control for castle. Was it control for castle? Yeah, yeah. it was control for castle because Howard bought the castle to, as the worth his properties. I swear that man gets himself into some mischief. So, so, so many of his problems are his own fault. It's, it's a, it's about a to say funny. how the amount of problems that happens in this show, you can easily blame Howard for. Oh, definitely. 100%. And that man doesn't give a shit so long as he's making money. That's it. <laughs> it's kind yeah, of great, actually. Yeah, so anyway, she gets possessed by Misery, charges real, not to game out, just to regular casino game for property, loses, and is supposed to leave Rose's body, but as we find out throughout the course of the show, she still possesses Rosa. And Rosa kind of deal, has deals with it throughout the show. It's one of the major turning point when uh, Howard loses his casino. More on that later. She comes back into town and rushes to the end of her friends to where at one point they manage to uh, win a whole lot of money from uh, the newly renovated casino. Again, more on that later. To which uh, Tiffany Abbott L. Adams and L. Adams were former employees of at the time. Tiffany Abbott is a, you usually see her dressed as a bunny girl or so, but she's kind of a big sister to the support group. Uh, speaking of sisters, we have uh, L and L who are twin sisters. One is also kind of uh, not aggressively peppy, not as aggressive as Linda though, but uh, she manages to, I guess, brainstorm some ideas and uh, spew few comments about Howard, and her sister Ill speaks one, if not two words, sometimes rarely three, doesn't get a lot to do, until the OVA, but even then she doesn't speak as much, but we'll get to the OVA later, but play these four, Rosa Canyon is played by Natalie Van Sistine, Tiffany Abbott is played by Melissa Sterlingberg, L. Adams is played by Amanda Lee, and L. Adams is played by Caitlin French. Rosa Canyon, you've also heard as Natalina in Actor, Songs Connection, The Silver Fox in Komodo Friends, and The Esthetician of Thumbai Romai. 
Melissa Studdenberg, you've also heard this not the code actor songs connections. Edinburgh and Asher Lane, Mirachi Bedex, and the Hippo and Kamada friends. Armor, armor. <coughs> God damn it. Damn you, Andrew. Madeline, you've also heard this reading Amagane in Hells, Anzun Hidamatsuri, Princess, the Royal Penguin Kimono Friends, and Nemurine, the Magical Girl Racing Project. Poor Nemurine. And Caitlin mm-hmm. French, you've also heard this Sakura Beyond the Boundary, Miu Edelfeld and Fate Collide Line of Prisma India, Hana Isuzu and Girls Ud Panzer, and Shiro and No Game No Life. Nito, you like, would you like me to go first? Yes, ma'am. Okay, I'm gonna start with uh, Natalie Vincistine and Rosa Canyon, cause um, Rosa, Rosa, I I kind of like Rosa as a character, cause she's just, she is that very, she is supportive and she's really nice and everything, but you can tell, she kind of does think highly of herself because she is a star. Uh, yeah, and but it doesn't come off as overly pretentious and obnoxious, which is fantastic, and I love that. <laughs> and um, I, I love the tone that Natalie uses for this role to give that personality and presence, but also that supportive figure. I'm also under the assumption that Natalie Van Sistine also voiced Misery, unless I'm wrong. I think she did, because other- unless the credit said otherwise, yeah, that was pretty much her. To which, goddammit, if that's the case. <laughs> misery is... A character that exists, <laughs> who um, is this vengeful ghost, and um, I really love Natalie's portrayal of misery, because if that if Natalie if it is Natalie, bearing in mind if this is Natalie voicing misery as, as well, she basically has to voice two different characters on the opposite ends of the spectrum, and boy howdy does she fucking kill it. Um, <laughs> misery is just like very vengeful, like. I want to make a bet. It's it's very creepy and can be unsettling at times, but also it's creepy and unsettling, but at the same time, it also gives way to some comedic moments from it too. And one of my favorite things with Misery, to which, first of all, bitch, I thought you were leaving Rosa alone. What the fuck? That wasn't, that was part of the deal. Why are you back? And why does no one fucking acknowledge that Rio put that as part of the deal when she what, when she went against her? Small tirade. But I think one of the funnier moments for um, Natalie as Misery is the fucking chicken fingers. It was chicken wings. Chicken wings, thank you. Because <laughs> for, because Apparently, Misery's favorite food is chicken wings. And um, she basically rates this delivery truck that's supposed to bring a bunch of fucking chicken wings to the resort. And then as Elle and Eel are trying to, like, track down Rosa, I think it is, because they were trying to find Rosa, um, they come across Misery as Rosa with Misery possessing her. And Misery's just like, like carnal, like, like, destroying these chicken wings. <laughs> it's freaking hilarious as all hell. It's, like, very aggressive eating of food. <laughs> I couldn't help but fucking laugh. It was great. Um, but no, Natalie basically having to voice two different characters, unless we're told otherwise, <laughs> it was a lot of fun. Um, Melissa Sternenberg as Tiffany. Tiffany has less of a role compared to the other three characters in this ca- in this section, I think. But 
given who Tiffany is and what roles she does have to play, I think Melissa did a great job. She was a fun big big sister role to everybody. Um, maybe even to an extent, including Rosa, I guess. Um, and she also loves to call out Tom Howard for his bullshit on a constant basis. And it's like, thank you for calling out his stupid bullshit. Because <laughs> someone has to. Um, but I enjoy it a lot. Elle and Eel, this is very interesting to me. Because I've heard Amanda Lee in a variety of things. I was very confused when I saw this list originally before going into the show. I'm like, which one's Ellen, which one's Eel? Neither of them sound like Amanda Lee, though. I couldn't tell them apart because I'm the voice that Amanda Lee used for Elle is not what I'm familiar with. I'm familiar with Amanda Lee in Zombieland Saga, in Car Capture Saga, Clear Card. Um... I'm familiar more with that kind of vocal range and tone. I'm not familiar with this. And so this character's definitely a bit older. I would think she has to be older to work at a fucking casino, right? Um, and it's a bit older, a bit more mature, and I think it lends very well, and I really like it. Kaylin French, for her part, as Eel. Um, I am glad that you did bring up Shira from No Game No Life, because even though I have not watched the entirety of the dub, I think I've really only seen clips of it, this is Shiro. 100% the tone and the personality are very similar to what I've seen of Shiro in No Game No Life. However, Eel is also a precious cinnamon roll too good and pure for this earth. <laughs> and despite not having much to say, um... I still enjoy the personality and the humor and just s such such a precious precious child and the extra episode too where she's helping Choco find a present for Mint is just adorable as all hell because you have basically two of the quietest characters in the entire show just helping each other out and it gives Caitlyn a chance to play a big sister role to an extent, to Choco, and I appreciate every second of it. So, granted, all four of these performances don't have huge, huge, significant roles, but to each their own, in their own way, they are fun, dynamic roles that I did enjoy throughout the whole show. Okay, nice. I'm on. Uh, I'll start with uh, Melissa as Tiffany. Uh, Tiffany doesn't seem to have a lot to do for the most part. Um, I. Having never played any of these games, I can only assume she is some sort of other mascot character who they uh, included and then couldn't find much to do with. Uh, but I do like Perlis's performance as Tiffany uh, during the show. I think, you know, Tiffany has that kind of friendly big sister vibe. She looks out for the other girl. She's been there a little bit longer. She knows kind of the ropes a little better. I think Melissa does that, let that come across, even if she isn't given that much to do by the show itself. Uh, Amanda and Caitlin work really well together as... L and Ill, they have a fun uh, Timmy and Tommy Nook vibe. Oh my <laughs> god! Did you really make a comparison to Timmy and Tommy? Well, I mean, look, they one of them one of them takes the lead, the other one repeats the last few words of the sentence. That is literally Timmy and Tommy's dynamic. Uh, it's exactly the same. Fuck you for making me realize this. I hate you. <laughs> You're not wrong. <laughs> god. Anyways. Um, I like their interplay a lot. They they play off each other really well. 
<laughs> uh, I think Ill is actually the one who gets that Homestar Runner line that I'm so enamored with, so, you know, like that. Um, that was like during the OVA when Caitlyn... <laughs> Alright. Beer's at home. I'll let me do it. So, we're gonna encounter a character later named Mint. Mint has a stuffed bear. There's an episode where one of the gate holders is this Chinese girl who steals the teddy bear and slaps one of those, like, you know, wards that they put on Chinese vampires on its head and turns it into uh, her, her twin, basically, another little Chinese girl. Uh, in the OVA, another one of these wards gets stuck on the bear, so it turns back into this, like, Chinese girl who can't talk. And she suddenly remembers, wait, Mint wanted a camera. I should go get this camera, despite the fact that she cannot say anything, nor does she have any money. Uh, and she ends up running into Ill, who is able to communicate well enough with her they kind of go on a little adventure to try and get this camera. It is very adorable. It is also extremely weird when you think about all these things having to come together for this conceit to happen, but not the weirdest thing in this show, whatever. Um, Caitlin's very fun during that. It's probably the most dialogue she gets in the whole show, uh, and it's very sweet and charming. Um, but the big standout of this collection for me is Natalie as Rosa. I find Rosa very entertaining because she knows she is hot shit. <laughs> <laughs> but she she is she is still not top dog in this casino, and there's nothing she can do about that. And she's sort of okay with it, but not really. <coughs> uh, so you get a lot of her just and being entertainingly grousy. Uh, also, the whole bit of her being possessed is just funny because there's something just very weird and silly about this extremely classy woman just chowing down on chicken wings constantly because she's been possessed by a ghost who wants its castle back. Oh, it's fantastic. Uh, it's, it's, it's a time. <coughs> Natalie, yeah. Natalie's, just, Natalie's just a lot of fun. She just really nails the whole kind of like uh, hot, you know, hot shit actress stuff really well. And also knows it never, it also never comes off as like kind of grating or like, oh, I feel like I should hate this character. It's usually just like, no, oh, no, she's good. And she's, you know, she's not the main character in this story. She'd be a main character in another story, but she's not the main character in this story. Mm. Uh, and yeah. she, she can deal with that, but she's not necessarily going to be that happy about it. Um, but like, I, I enjoyed her performance, especially a lot. I thought she was just a lot of fun on screen in general. Um, yeah, the good. The squad's a good, good time. I liked him. Okay, I'm just gonna sidebar one second because apparently Roots just made a reference to the song "Milkshake" on Twitter. Yeah, I saw God that. God damn it! What? Why? Uh, because there's something going around about some. I think it's like a McFlurry or something made of Oreos that is like absolutely horrifyingly bad for you or something like that. Well, that's for Baskin Robbins, but there yeah. There we go. Thank you. Jesus, I hate that song. Oh, fuck you, Roots. I'm looking at it now. Oh, God. The first reply, Jacob Wilson, it's better than mine. <laughs> well played, sir. Well played. Anyway, speaking of bringing something to the table, uh, let's start with Tiffany. Uh, yeah, I agree that she, pretty much... The latter three don't really get as much to do in the show, other than, I guess, uh, be part of uh, Rio's entourage, which, oddly enough, when you look at them in the intro, for some reason, it kind of reminds me of Dion Warwick's Network of Psychic Friends for some reason. I don't know why. <laughs> I don't know why. I've never seen any of that stuff. I just know about it. 
But yeah, Melissa really plays a big, big sister role very well, which is like, right, because we have two actual sisters. Admittedly, I believe this role kind of predates before she came to Funimation. I think she might have still been out of California at that time when there was doing song covers. Mm-hmm. I think so too, yeah. Caitlin French, I haven't heard her in a lot of roles to the point I can pick her out in a dub, but uh, even, even though it sounded monotonous, she kind of kept it for being robotic, and I think she did very well with the role. However, the standout of these four is uh, Natalie Van team because for one thing, yeah, Rosa may be strut like she's hot stuff, but she never complete. <coughs> Excuse me. <laughs> she Good never complete. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But she never completely acts like it, you know? Like, cause I know she cares for real, but at the same time, there's also like some basic tendencies with being a model because she, ta- she talks about, because she doesn't realize that she was possessed that whole time in the episode up until the latter half of episode three. And even then, she kind of disappears for the most part. But her misery was kind of, is very impressive. And if that wasn't her, then uh, I do apologize, Natalie. It's just it was very impressive. Because I, I see where Ellen Ill find her in the hallway eating chicken wings. She kind of went full exorcist at that point. To the point, I was expecting her head to just turn, you know? Mm-hmm. No, like, literally, you see her crawling on the wall at one point. That was very scary, really. The show has all sorts of weird turns when you get down to it. It's, it's... It does. It's it. it I want to say it's hard to keep up, but it's actually not. <laughs> no, that's why it's only 14 episodes, so... <laughs> hey, longer than it would have been hard to keep up, but... Was worth everybody did the job very well. And, uh, we got now we're going into both the entourage. I guess we got the uh, the big <laughs> the big boss and uh, someone at a loss. I guess. I mean, that's the best way to describe it. We have Ham and Klutz. <laughs> big boss and Lady Loss. We oh, have. Yes. We have Tom Howard, the head honcho of the Howard Resort, and uh, I guess in some ways an information broker. He should know more about, he knows more about his employees and so that he actually lets on. That's because behind his uh, greedy dealings and so, he's also had interaction with Risa Rollins, Rio's mother. So, <laughs> so at some point he becomes more caring than he needs to later on. Mm-hmm. But yeah, first and foremost, he's a greedy pig, and uh, this man will buy up any property he can, and at one point, he kind of shows his distrust, I wouldn't say unintentionally, but it sounded more like intentionally for his employees, it's like, don't you you care about what happens to the resort if you lose? And stuff like that, it's like, god damn you selfish bastard. (laughs) But but, But deep down inside, you also have another side you don't see as much. And we also have the uh, Russian dealer, Anya Helsing. Uh, newly minted dealer at the Howard Resort. Uh, I'm going to get straight into it. This girl clumsy as hell. <laughs> <laughs> this girl falling over all the damn time. Like, not even joking. She falls every time. Yeah, she knocks three times on the ceiling. But you don't want her. <laughs> nope. <laughs> nope. <laughs> I... I, 
she's so clumsy that during the OVA she attempts not to fall, but and then it just fails spectacularly by the end of it. But I think my favorite moment is uh, and when I, and uh, was when she uh, interacted with Elvis and she gives him a bandit because he cut a finger. And uh, Elvis loses his gate battle as a result, and I'm yep. like, that is straight up getting hardcore old if you lose because of a bad aid. Womp womp. <laughs> Again, this show is a nasty trip. I try not to make sense of it if I can help it. Ah, uh, yes. <laughs> but play these two, uh, Tom Howard is played by Mike Pollock. And Anya Helsing is played by Natalie Hoover. Let me start with Natalie. You've heard Natalie's other roles such as Aiso Ahokainen from Akiba's Trip, Tomoyo Daidoji from Card Captor Sakura, The Clear Card Arc, Area Conception, So You Nevermind from the Dog and Whopper franchise, and Yakusha Kure from How Heavy the Dumbbells You Lift. Mike Pollock, you've also heard as Marcus in World War Blue, Adard in Berserk. They use Prometh in Prometh, and he is the Eggman! That's who he plays, he is the Eggman! He's got oh, the master fucking plan! fucking hell, these song references. Oh, God. I'm sorry, I love Sonic of Entrance. Excuse me. <laughs> yes, he is, of course, the current voice of Eggman in the Sonic franchise. Dr. Eggman, excuse me. Oh, boy. Uh, I'm going to start with Natalie. And I'm going to start talking about Natalie like this. So remember how I said Andrew watched most of the show with me? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> when we're first introduced to Anya. And oh, boy. We, and we get, we get the whole thing with her and her character in that, I think it's like episode two. He, he's just like, I hate her. What is this clumsy bitch doing? <laughs> like, all the time he was yelling at her. And it was great. Later on, though, like, he slowly comes to realizations, like, you're doing your best, sweetie. I'm rooting for you. <laughs> I mean, that's basically the character in the nutshell. It is. And I think Anya ended up becoming Andrew's <laughs> favorite character in the whole fucking show. It was funny. Um, and probably one of the reasons why it's Anya ended up as, his, as Andrew's favorite character could possibly be Natalie Hoover, because she's adorable as shit. Mm-hmm. Like, it's Natalie Hoover being Natalie Hoover, yes. However, <laughs> Natalie Hoover is being a dealer who is the clumsiest fucking bitch in the world, and it is the most precious thing <laughs> in the goddamn universe. Like, you can't help but root for this girl. Like, you just can't help it. And fucking... <laughs> Every time she has one of her clumsy moments... It's, it's so cute, and it just ends up being so hilarious. But aside from being a huge bit of comedic relief and a constant gag in the whole series, um, Anya still is a very supportive, very optimistic character and is like always rooting for the winning side, and Natalie just performs it very very well she's very cheerful she's very peppy she's very positive um and all of that encapsulates Anya's perfect personality so perfectly and I love it so much fucking Mike Pollock (laughs) as Tom Howard 
TLDR. Tom Howard's my favorite performance in the whole fucking show. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Because of how much of a... Not only because of how much of a dick this man is, but because t- Mike Pollock makes this so fucking hammy and s- he chews the scenery and steals scenes all the goddamn time that every time you do, it's like, this dude's a prick. He's a prick. He's an asshole. He's greedy as shit. But it's done in... But the performance is done in such a way... That you can't help but still love the performance, regardless, because it's just that hammy and that scene chewy. Like, where I had a note. I had a note. He's, uh... And, and, side note, fucking, this character is a goddamn pervert. 100%. 150%. You right. <laughs> you right. Because, like... All of the shenanigans that Rio ends up involved with, he's the one who picks out the costumes every single time. Mm-hmm. And with the exception of probably one, that one being the one that she wore against Misery, revealing <laughs> all to hell, there's cleavage, there are a few games in the whole show where it, it, he, he's basically doing like a strip poker kind of freaking game. Like, <laughs> this man is horrible. This man is a horrible human being. This man should be punted into the sun. And yet at the same time, Mike Pollock makes it so goddamn hammy and, and enjoyable. I could not help but fall in love with the performance by the end of the fucking show. That is why this is my favorite performance of the entire show. Thank you for coming to my TED Talk. <laughs> I'm done. Okay, then. I'm on. Uh, Anya should be an annoying character because her trait is that she's cute, but very, very clumsy. But I feel like if you're going to do that and you're also going to have the character be so clumsy that they make roulette wheels roll around and palm trees fall over and crush cars... And indeed, make robots' heads fall off, then I feel like at least you're using it for good physical comedy. Uh, <laughs> Natalie also helps. She is she is delightfully endearing, I think. Uh, she does a good job of making Anya feel like she is, in fact, trying really hard to do a good job. And that just the fates are not going to be kind to her. All she wanted to do is not trip all day. <laughs> just not fall over. <laughs> And not only does she trip at the end, she causes an island-wide power outage in the process. <laughs> God is a cruel master. God is cruel, but God it's alright. But Nat- Natalie is very charming. She very much sells that, like, I am I know what my job is. I'm going to try and do it, even if it's going to go poorly. Um, she was she was just a delight to be around. I feel like I, I feel like this could have been a very like kind of annoying character, or at least like ah, uh, this is just supposed to be kind of like appealing to a certain subset of set of fans, and that's kind of it, and it'd be kind of boring. But I actually think she brought a little, you know, enough to the character that it's like, yeah, I can enjoy this as good comic relief. This is this is entertaining. Uh, and then we have Mike. I'm gonna have to echo a lot of what Steph has already said. He is. Absolutely delightfully terrible. What an awful man. Uh, just he he Mike Mike plays him like the exact kind of like sleazy casino owner he is and should be played as. Mm-hmm. And he's just got that wonderful he's got that wonderful barking baritone to go with him the whole time. 
Uh, although really my favorite part is the OVA episode where you see him like um, he meets uh, he meets like um, <coughs> Mince like Teddy Bear that's been turned into a person. You realize how, oh like, Choco yeah yeah you realize how like short and weirdly proportioned he is, which I hadn't figured out prior to that because he's mostly like sitting. Yeah, uh, and it's like you're like all torso. Where's the rest of you? <laughs> it's like an Easter Island head grew a body and started walking around or something. <laughs> Comparison, I love and, it. Oh and, shit! And, and weirdly enough, Mike gives the exact kind of voice you'd expect out of that kind of character. It's like, oh shit, you're a crass asshole, and I kind of like you. Probably because, probably because you're not my boss. So oh, he's a be, horrible boss. He, he is funny because I don't have to deal with him. If I had to deal with him, it would be much less entertaining. Uh, but he's a fictional character, so I don't have to deal with him. So I can just find him amusing. Huzzah! Uh, yeah, no, Mike, Mike plays Mike plays a jerk real well. Uh, which, based on what I know, means Mike's probably a very nice man, because that seems to happen a lot. <coughs> um, yeah, it's just, what a, what a, just a fun performance. Just, like, the exact correct level of just sort of amusingly sleazy. I liked it a lot. You done? Excuse me. Yes. Okay, then, so I'm also gonna start with Stanley, because... Well, these kind of characters, I usually like them because, you know, it's the epitome of, you're trying your best, sweetie. Yeah. <laughs> so, I, so, I don't really hate on them the way some people do. But, you know. <laughs> <laughs> We're calling them out. It's great. It's fine. I mean, it's not her fault she's naturally clumsy. She probably, for all we know, she could have been born to that feet. Look, That's it's true. all right. Look, it's all right. If anything... If anything is true in an episode that probably will get released after this, Andrew is now cancelled, so... <laughs> womp womp. <laughs> womp womp womp. <laughs> Whoops. But yeah, you know, Nanny did make a job being very cutesy, very, very charming with his character. And, again, with these kind of characters, you know, I kind of adore them because, for one, I'm not taking the show seriously. I mean, Jesus Christ, They she actually manages to bend palm trees. Not, <laughs> no, not, not, not tear them, not drop them or anything. The palm trees actually bent. <laughs> How the fuck did she do that? I don't understand. I I'm live sorry. in Florida and I've seen palm trees blow down. I have never seen any of them bend. Oh, man, that's insane. <laughs> Yeah, and and Mike Pollock is Tom Howard. This is probably the first time ever I'm talking about Mike Pollock because it, I'm usually used to him as Eggman from the Sonic games, and uh, I know actors not their characters, but I have a hard time picturing Eggman where you can see though, you know, <laughs> especially after Sonic Adventure and Sonic Heroes, but. Uh, when I first started watching this, I heard Mike Pollock. For some reason, my brain thought, this sounds like a four kids kind of dub. And then I'm like, no, this is not four kids. This is just unique. And Mike Pollock, like, I guess I, I'm going to go along with Steph as well. Mike Pollock was pretty much the standout overall. Cause, yeah. Because his voice is so unique and it just it kind of rings in your head. Like, I know I still can't get Eggman in my head, but Mike does... Very good, very, he does very good play the, what's supposed to be a very bad guy, but deep down he has some secrets, he's also, I guess in some way secretly caring, of, well, of his top employee, of 
most of his employees really he, he doesn't show it as much you know hmm. but yeah that man other than that that man is, his character is definitely a pervert because I didn't bring this up but, but uh, from the from the scripted segment when I when I talked about uh, we are also making the cameo in Dead or Life Paradise <laughs> at one point Tom Howard talks about a uh, a series of games that he wanted to put out as Uh-oh. casino events. Mm-hmm. Literally, at one point, he mentions Dead or Alive Paradise. So I'm like, somebody on script was self aware of this. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> oh, man. I'm worried to bet it was Howard Wang, but uh, <laughs> that's, just, that's just me. So. That, that they did very well. Oh man, we got three sections left. We got, we gonna do this good. Yeah, I know. Can I point out a couple weird things? Speaking of Tom Howard, though. Yeah, what's up? Um, I realized I had a I had a note here about it, and I didn't fucking bring it up. Um, Go ahead. <laughs> speaking of stupidly hammy with with Mike Pollock, every time he was smoking a fucking cigar, was just like the cheesiest bullshit because he's like. <laughs> yeah. It's just like such an aggressive exhale and puff of smoke. I'm like, what the fuck is happening here? It's because he's got big flappy gobs, that's why. I know, right? It's such a scene stiller. Every time he did that, I just laugh my ass off. I'm like, this is such an aggressive puff of smoke. What is happening? I know, right? <laughs> oh, shit. And now we move on to, I guess, the last of the main villains. Well, one of them is quarter, is our main antagonist, really. The other is part of an entourage. We have Yang Yang. We have, <laughs> as Armand alluded to earlier, Chaco. And we have our antagonist, Kanye Goldschmidt. Now, Yang Yang is the number 10 card holder. She's a little Chinese girl who possesses a very specific power. She has the ability to transform objects with her talismans. The only drawback is the items have to be made in China. Yeah. There's one hitch in this ability. It has to be made in China. To which Choco is specifically pointed out very early on that Choco was made in China. (laughs) Yes. To which Choco is a mid teddy bear. Who uh, comes to life as a little girl of her own through the use of this magic talisman. She also goes by the name of Ada during the uh, concentration episode, but Yo realizes her until much later. And then we have our main attack, this Cardia Goldschmidt. <laughs> Pretty much devious. AKA this bitch. <laughs> yes, why the, the most devious dealer of them all. We at first you would think she's able to take over how casino, I out for whatever reason we don't know. I mean, I ain't saying she's a gold digger, but <laughs> she messing with no broke, broke. She ain't messing with no broke ninjas. Yeah, uh, but <laughs> but we come to find out that her true purpose, other than deceiving those around her, is that she aims to collect the gates at, to see the rainbow at the end of them. What exactly does that mean? We will find out at the end of the, at the end of this segment. I want to see my rainbow. Mm-hmm. Oh, God. 
This is going to be an interesting discussion to have because playing these three, Yang Yang is played by Cheryl Lee, a.k.a. Emmy Lop. Kanye Goldschmidt is played by Marissa Letty. And Chaco, and Chaco is played by Marissa Letty. <laughs> oh, God. I was wondering... This is the one section that's very weird to me because I'm like, Yang Yang and Choco, why are they in this? Especially Choco. And then I watch the show, I'm like, oh. <laughs> I get it. <laughs> so, Cheryl Lee, you've also heard this Ayano Fujimoto and Hensky, Keiko Kikuchi and It Invaded, the Small Cloud Otter and Kimoto Friends, and Asano Izumi and Kono Otomure, Sounds of Life. Marissa Letty, you also heard this Psycho Dogami and City Hunter, Shijuku Private Eyes, Momoko Hyakushiki Nabaka, and Olivier Vanderbeam in No Guns Life. Marissa Letty, you've also heard this God, Alicia Florence. God, are we really going with this joke? Fuck. <laughs> Damn it's it, Jamal. It's kind of customary at this point. You've also heard this Alicia Florence in the Arya franchise, Arya Doe and Cautious Hero, and Shadow with B-Dex Neo. Now, before we begin... <laughs> we could have shaved off 30 seconds, you non-retaining Marissa. <laughs> I, I, know that, which, I know, before we begin, can we all agree that other than one line and a handful of expressions, there's really nothing to talk about with Marissa Letty as Chaco, unless you want to? She, can we she, all agree on she that? She gives very good non-verbal communication. She's adorable <laughs> as shit as Choco. I like it. Yes, I'd also like to say bullshit, that's Marissa Letty. Also, bullshit. yes. Bullshit. Yes, 100%. <laughs> to be fair, I... Choco says nothing. <laughs> well, she says one line and a handful of expressions, and that's it. But I did not even realize that was her, but we'll get into that later. Anyway, you go ahead, Steph. Ah, oh, sweet lord. Uh, I'll start with Cheryl Lee and Yang Yang, because um, Yang Yang isn't really there she's just there similar to king and queen she's just your villain of the week kind of situation um but given (laughs) i will say i i am appreciating cheryl lee a lot more because i have been seeing a few more shows that she has been doing um not under the name of Cheryl Lee, of of course, but um, one being under her real name, um, one being Smile Down the Runway, and it's her role there is very sweet and adorable, and it makes me because between this and um, between this Smile Down the Runway and another show whose dub just started at the time of recording this. I'm excited for Cheryl, and I want to see her in more things because she's very precious and cute and adorable, which is exactly who Yang Yang as a character is. Precious and adorable. Uh, <laughs> aside from Marissa being sweet as sin as Choco, <laughs> that aside, um, her she's car- also She's also said for a sin, too, here. That's why I said sweet as sin. Uh, aside, Choco aside... Marissa Lenti, I really enjoyed... I did enjoy his Cartia quite a bit. The tone reminds me of... Fuck. Uh, you said it when you were talking about her. What the heck is her name in No Gun's Life? Olivier. Thank you. Um, the tone does remind me of Olivier. Obviously, this very much predates Olivier by uh, three, four years. Um, <laughs> but um, point still stands. But I do love... 
the tone of voice, the mannerisms. Um, Cartia does exude confidence, which which is just fantastic because she's Cartier is a no-nonsense, confident woman who's just like, it's my way or the highway, bitches. Get in my, either you get in my freaking casino or you're done, bitch. And I, I love the attitude and the presence that Marissa does give as Cartier a lot. Um, uh, did I have any other notes on Marissa outside of that? Uh, I don't think I had much outside of that from Marissa. No, I don't have anything much outside of that from Marissa. No, so, yeah, Marissa exudes this confident, like, no-nonsense attitude, and I really loved that about Cartia. And then, oh, man, to see her plans be ruined in the end. Oh, sweet, sweet victory and vengeance. I loved every second of it. By the way, can we bring up the really brief, brief side, side plot note that is Cartia having a relationship with with your Rainbow Six Siege lead like person horseshit <laughs> that's only brought up for a second and then the second that fails and he leaves he's like no nah, Cardia we're over it's like oh that was fast mm-hmm. it's like well your relationship's down in the gutter now good for you <laughs> like in general the, they just relented so fucking quickly too <laughs> they just they just let it go so fast it's like oh. So you're just here, and now you're gone. <laughs> oh, this show. But no, I do enjoy both Cheryl and Marissa's performances. I'm going to say this again, because I have said I, I said this on another episode that I am involved with in the near future. I would love to see Cheryl in more things. And Marissa, God, I love Marissa Lenti. <laughs> She's always a joy to watch, and I... I Jesus Christ, she makes Cardia such a badass bitch, and I love it. Thank you. I'm done. <laughs> okay. All right. right. Uh, let's see. Uh, Cheryl Yang Yang is very cute. Um, I don't know. It's a little sad when she's talking about how lonely she is and how she makes Choco into a person because she wants someone to hang out with. It's like, oh, even if you're kind of a weirdo. <laughs> it's like this poor baby. <laughs> Right. That also that whole episode is just a trip because it's clearly like, all right, we need a get. All right, concentration. How do we make that exciting? Explosions, obviously. Why do you think of it sooner? It's it's called exploding concentration. That's the name it was given, right? I like. I, I, so. Yeah, probably. I, I like think it. it was. I like it as explosive, explosive concentration, and yet there was a virtual dinosaur and uh, one guy getting punched in the back by a boxer. <laughs> I, 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 feel, I feel like they came with a bunch of ideas for possible games that didn't go anywhere, and they used explosive concentration as just a way to cycle through all those or something. It's Maybe. It's well, I mean, Tom Howard did say there's a reason why that arena was <laughs> fucking close. Yeah, exactly. Um, Cheryl's very charming. She is, she is about what you would want out of that character, who is just like a small child, who should probably not be doing this, but there you are. And she's very charming. Um... And Marissa is great. Uh, Cardia is such a goddamn snake. What a... What a... Ooh, boy. Uh, this what bitch. A, what a piece of work, as my father would say. Uh, and Marissa plays it really well. I think I think comparing her to Olivia is kind of a... That's a, a good point of reference, actually. That's, that's mm-hmm. probably the performance this reminds me of the most. And she's, she's very good at having her just be, like, 
really confident and kind of an evil and just like he's a he plays a really good villain you want to root against yes. uh like you want you want him to be on screen because they are like charming and charismatic but they're also the worst so you want to see him lose uh, i think marissa really brings that to, to the uh performance she's not my favorite performance in the show i'm not i'm not sure who i put as my favorite performance i, mean, I do think she just gives like a really good strong performance like i think she really nails this character uh, and that pays off, dur especially during the more soapy, melodramatic aspects, which he plays a lot of, obviously. Uh, yeah, these good performances, I quite enjoyed them. Good stuff. Yeah, before we said my piece of charcoal, let's start with Yang Yang and Shirley. Uh, Shirley, I kind of enjoy her voice. It's not a voice I hear as often. I mean, she's a lot more stuff now, but uh, she kind of has this sweet voice where... It, that way really displays her disposition, like when she's upset or angry or when she's ready to battle with Rio. Because she's also the number... I think I mentioned she was the number 10 gate holder, right? If not, you did now. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, well, whatever. But Shell did a very good job, and I, I look forward to some of her latest... I look forward to seeing her, her more roles, especially the ones that were just either announced or recorded. Mm-hmm. We'll, 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 we'll talk more on that someday. So, And uh, Marissa as Katia. It's kind of funny because I remember a couple of times I had conversations with Marissa about this. Because one, one thing she mentions is that uh, this is a type of character she gets typecast. as you know, characters with uh, huge tracts of land, I'd like to say. God damn it. Speaking of Olivier... <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that that's a character, for example, but she looks like a JoJo's character with DSL, so. Oh, Lord. Can, can I just say, having watched, at the time of recording this, over the weekend, the latest Golden Wind episode, Jesus H. Christ. <laughs> oh, God. Body swap ho. It be like that sometimes. Ah, yes. <laughs> and it's great. Yeah, so anyway, the fact that she brought to me that she was also charcoal, I was like, God damn it. Because this is kind of a star of her, I guess, her already impressive range or expanding range. Because when I hear her as Cardia, she she kind of has to voice a melted chocolate. And I should know because I aspire to be that voice. So, uh. That's a comparison I didn't think I'd hear. <laughs> It's yeah, also Jamal, so I should also be expecting it at this point. Yeah, nobody expects me. Nobody expects the Spanish Inquisition either. But anyway. <laughs> but yeah, yes. no. Yeah, but Marissa's got that deep kind of voice. Mm -hmm. Her natural voice, that is. Yeah. And I, I really want to hear more things. Well, I already am hearing more things. I just want to hear even more stuff, because... I love all you know, the stuff that Marissa's been doing lately, 100%. Mm. I know there's one thing I should really be needed to be listened to, but I haven't gotten to it yet, so... Uh, Is this a thing we can't talk about right this second? No, because we're not covering it. Oh, which one? Uh, Bose and Borderlands 3. Gotcha. Okay. Like, yeah, I heard that one's fun, too. I own the goddamn copy, and I haven't gotten around to it for some reason, but... Anyway, everybody did very well in the roles, you know? Of the three, of course, Marissa was the standout. Marissa and Mar Wait, hold on. Which Marissa? <laughs> yes. 
<laughs> that is the only correct answer right now. She, she put a lot of passion and effort into those monosyllabic noises. Don't you? Don't you forget that? <laughs> she did her best, and her best was amazing. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, you ready to move on now? Yes. Yeah. Okay, so four characters left, and the next from here on out, everybody else will be in pairs. And, we're starting with a couple of children. What uh, essentially ours, as Hardy had put it before, he said a secondary main character, and uh, one of the quote-unquote former antagonists we meet as part of Cartier's entourage. We have Mick Clark, and we have Jack Mighty. Now, Mick Clark, uh, she's just a pretty bo- uh, bored out of a mind girl, whose grandfather, Mr. Clark. Is uh, heavily invested in casinos. That man has like a casino addiction like no other. And I'm talking about it, but god damn, Todd. She's pretty much adventurous and will go out of her way to, I guess, have some fun, for lack of a better term, because she clings on to Rio very much. And I'm not gonna lie, when I first saw this show, I thought Rio was in a time skip, sort of. If huh, you look at okay. if if you look at them, they almost look the same. To be honest, no. Let's make the connection that they are they want that Mint wants Rio as her big sister by making her very very similar looking to Rio. Let's do. Th- That's basically what happens. Essentially, mm-hmm. Mint just adopts Rio as her older sister. Yes, and uh, she ends up interacting with a young boy she meets in this guy with someone called Jack Body. Now, Jack Body, as I said, is part of Katya's entourage. He's the, uh, ironically, the gate holder of the Jack card. They model the gates after playing cards for obvious reasons, people. But uh, he possesses the power of telekinesis because, uh, according to the uh, lore here, he's, he just. Yeah, quote the unquote bullshit. lore. Oh, Jesus Christ. This made my head hurt. Yes, the part of the law is that uh, he and his family were, I guess, bomb defusal experts. Mm-hmm. And they acquired uh, telekinesis somehow. Yep, for this line of work. just be- Because I think, as Jack puts it, just so they can stay safe when they defuse bombs or some horseshit. I'd say that, that makes <laughs> I'd say that makes perfect sense, but uh, this is real Vapor Gate. Does my anything- brain hurted. My brain hurted. Wow. My brain just hurt with that. And then when I told... Because Andrew did not watch that episode where Jack came in. And I told him that later and was like, Oh yeah, he has telekinesis because bullshit. And Andrew's like, looks at me like... You know you know that face that he made when watching uh, fucking Dragon Quest? Mm-hmm. He did that face. <laughs> <laughs> Looking at me like, what the fuck? I'm like, yup. <laughs> Welcome to my life, Andrew. He's like, okay. Anyway, just like the other gate holders before him, charges Rainbow to a uh, charges Rainbow. He charges Rio to a gate battle and loses. And he, I guess, he becomes more relevant to the plot now, helping Rio to boost her confidence in his party entourage to the point where he actually helps her cheat in one episode. It's amazing how a ghost found out a sidekick. <laughs> Look, nothing gets past misery. This bitch knows all. Mm-hmm. Oh. Uh, yeah, but playing these two uh, 
I'm gonna start with Miz. She's played by Amanda Julina or Julina, depending on how you want to pronounce it. And Jack Mighty, believe it or not, is voiced by Kira Buckland. Hmm. Gasp! You gasp my ass. Uh, oh God! <laughs> that, that was sarcastic. I know. I was gonna say that was the fakest sounded gasp I ever heard. Being sarcastic. Thank you very much. My bad. <laughs> no, you're fine. It's fine. Uh, Amanda, she she doesn't have many voice roles to her name. As a matter of fact, this is her only anime role. Really? She, she's mainly known as an anime and artist, but uh, she okay. also has a couple of video game roles, such as. Elaine in Regalia of Men and Monarchs, Lucy in Battleright, and Colleen in Dust and Elysian Tale. Hmm. Kira Buckley, you've also heard this Hydrabird Blood Lad, Dr. Lisa in B-Dex Neo, Hyoko Sayoji in the Dog and Robber franchise, Rester Blanket in Junior Chad, and going back to Gambler Connection, Mary Satsume in Kakegurui. Huh, okay. So, I have never heard... Amanda before in my life, and now that you have said that this is her only anime role, it explains a lot. Um, <coughs> and as someone who's a, as the kids would call a casual Vigi game player, uh, Lord. Um, so Amanda, I think this one was probably the one that took the longest for me to get into. Admittedly, one, because I'd never heard this person before in my life, and that always, for me, that usually always plays a factor in trying to get to know the performance and the range. Two, in the beginning, the performance to me was a bit grating and obnoxious, admittedly. Um, because the, Mint is such a bratty child. She can be such a bratty child. It's not even funny. Like, she's just, day one, she's going around the goddamn casino, to which, first of all, who let a fucking ten-year-old on the casino floor? Her grandfather. <laughs> her grandfather wasn't even there. Well, like, nobody stopped not, her. Poor, poor, poor uh, uh, parental supervision there, then, isn't it? It's true. But none of the employees also stopped her. <laughs> so, what the shit. Um... But over time, and as the show progressed, I did get a bit more comfortable and adjusted to the performance, and Mint is a very, very precocious little girl. 100%. Um, like, oh, I forgot, I'm reading, looking at my notes, I forgot about something that Mint fucking said early on. Mm -hmm. That was a goddamn line. And my, this is my note exactly. Why is a child talking about a woman's childbearing hips? Because she's being written by an adult man. <laughs> Just... <laughs> I think this was episode one, maybe? Episode one, I think it was. Yeah, it's definitely episode one, because I wrote something later. Um, no, but it grew on me. She became such a sweet, precocious little girl. Um, mildly obnoxious at points, but she also just will just root for you, like, all day long, and it's very, very cute and adorable. Um, Kira Buckland as Jack. Um, uh, 
<clears throat> Kira makes Jack sound... What the heck am I writing? <laughs> makes him sound young, but with a touch of... With, with a little touch of, like, a somber tone. Um, especially early on when we're introduced to him. And... Because he's there because... Cartia took him in, took him in, and now he basically works for her, and he can't get out of it, and all this fun stuff. But as the show goes on, as well, it, it becomes very evident that one apparently we magically forgot that Jack is supposed to stay with Cartia. I guess he's not free, but he is. I don't know logic again. But um, two, Jack becomes a bit more open like he holds his for lack of better phrasing in the beginning he holds his cards close to his chest right but as time goes on especially with interactions with mint to which side note mint and jack are stupidly adorable together um mm -hmm. the more time we see him and the more he spends with everybody the main the heroes of the show he kind of he kind of opens up a bit more he is a bit more willing to help with whether it's information or being a supportive figure like like jamal said he freaking went out of his way to help rio cheat without rio knowing and the misery called him out on his bullshit um and it's just very fun and adorable and i don't get to hear kira buckland voice boy characters all that much i'm usually used to her voicing female characters and if i had no idea this was kira buckland i probably wouldn't have known the difference i probably would not have known that this that jack was voiced by a female honestly it was it, it was the tone of voice was masked well enough that i probably wouldn't be able to tell the difference if you asked me um and i didn't know it was kira but um both his performances given some time um were very enjoyable and so much fun and like my headcanon is Mint and Jack got to grow up together, and it was adorable and cute. And <laughs> again, the special OVA episode <laughs> where they're in freaking Linda's dream because they yeah. get caught up in this bullshit. And Jack has to be the hero and save Mint from King Kong. Linda is the absolute fucking best. <laughs> but uh, no, both of these performances, given some time, were very enjoyable to me. All right. I'm on. All right. Uh, <coughs> I start with uh, Amanda, uh, who I, I enjoy it. I've kind of gotten used to often if I watch anime that has children in it, the children will often obviously sound like people who are not children pretending to be children to varying degrees of good. Uh, and I think Amanda actually does a pretty good job, mint certain dialogue aside. <laughs> sounds childbearing hips does does sound convincingly like a small child who would be running around a casino having a nice time for the most part um i think he, she's just very cute and charming uh, i like her performance she's very bubbly when she needs to and she's just a she's a nice little fun spark whenever she's around um, that's good to like, uh, uh, Amanda hasn't done too much in either, obviously this is her only anime role, she hasn't been in too many video games, uh, I wouldn't mind seeing that changing, she seems like she, she's got a lot of, like, passion and spark, I guess, like, she's fun, I would not mind hearing her in something else if her career leads her back that way. Um, here at least I think she's, she's fun, she definitely nails the character. Uh, and if nothing else, like, her and Jack's sort of ongoing friendship is just very charming, they're very cute together. 
Um, Jack. My favorite part about Jack. So as we mentioned, this is made by this is based on Pachinko games made by a company called Tecmo. And Pachinko Jack's, games, a series of games, yeah. Yes, and and uh, Jack's whole point is that he is a wholesale reference to a game they put out on the NES in the eighties called Mighty Bomb Jack. Are you kidding me? If you go, nope. if you go, if you go to the Mighty Bomb Jack Wikipedia page, you'll see the box art cover, and you will know that that is Jet's Jack superhero costume. Oh, with the my horns God. and everything. Because they made a point in the show that Jack can't do a lot of shit without where. Oh my fucking yep. God! Yep. <laughs> and I know that because Jeremy Parrish did a video on it like two years ago that I saw six months ago. Thanks, Jeremy. Oh fuck! <laughs> Go watch NES Works. It's good for you. Um, but uh, Kira, I think does a l I I enjoy her performances, Jack a lot. I think she does a good job of making him. You know, it's a good little kid voice. I think she does a good job of having portraying him first as kind of like uh, sort of nefarious and villainous, and then after he gets his ass handed to him, he kind of warms up to people and he's like, "No, I want to help you. I'm gonna help you. <laughs> gonna help you take back the ship." Gonna help you, gonna reprogram this hacking program as a video game. Oh my god. <laughs> Which I'm pretty sure is another Tecmo game that I don't recognize, but it's definitely... It, something... it, it is, it's called Star Force. There we go, yeah, so... Like, another... he's literally playing Star Force. It's, 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 it's one, it's one Tecmo video game player, character playing another Tecmo video game. Insert oh, noise here. Womp! Um... <laughs> Exactly. You're uh, welcome. Kira, yeah, I think Kira's just a lot of fun. Uh, she plays off uh, Amanda really well, as I said. Um, they're just a lot of fun together, and I just enjoy that, like, on top of all the other weird stuff, it's like, yeah, there's just a ten-year-old superhero running around. He disposes of bombs. He has a costume. He can fly. All right. <laughs> sure. sure. Why not? <laughs> not the weirdest thing I've seen in this show. Yeah, yeah. There's just two, two like just nice, charming kid performances. I liked them. They were fun when they were on screen. It was a nice time. So, so yeah, starting with Amanda, like Steph, I never really heard of her before either. Like, and the fact that this is an audio anime role is kind of impressive because it's like it's kind of like I'm on. You remember, you remember that uh, you remember Kitu and Bobby for Fooly Cooly, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was like one of those situations where the voice does very well, the character is kind of awkward at times, but you want to hear more from this person, you know? But they don't really do a whole lot. Mm. And that's the kind of feeling that I get from Amanda. Even, even though Mint is definitely bratty. I'm, I'm, I'm still trying to get over the fact her name is Mint. There is a make on the, in the casino named Chip. <laughs> And all I could think, all I could think about is ice cream. So, but anyway, oh, Jesus Christ, you're not wrong, and I fucking hate you now. I hate me too, Steph. Don't worry. <laughs> but yeah, for what it's worth, yeah, yeah, Mint is kind of this. Why? Well, what secondary, maybe tertiary main character? Yeah, the secondary we'll get to later. But she did very well for what she was given. Now, Kira Buckland, on the other hand, this was kind of a surprise to me when I first watched it because 
I legitimately cannot recall any other time that Kira Buckley has ever forced a boy. Like, ever. Mm-hmm. And going on the one end of the spectrum, it sounds like early Erica Mendes, to be honest. I guess maybe before or after we were familiar with her. When she plays little boys. So, something closer to God, I think. But it was very unique. It was very adorable. And, uh, I like the moments where Jack kind of gets flustered around mid. Especially during uh, some scenarios. Cause, uh, and Mick kind of calls him out on that. So. <laughs> but you know, that's, uh, that's love for you. It's just... But yeah, back to what you were also saying, Steph, about the that kind of logic with he has to stick with Kanye. When he he said himself when he lose when he lost that uh, he's useless to Kanye now. So that's when they when he decided to start helping out the others. You know, I know that, but at the same time, like Jack's freedom was also on the line during that game. Yeah, and yet he yeah. lost, and it's like he, you have a. Freaking 180. It's like, I'm useless now. Fuck everything. It's like, what? Which is funny because he lost of his own volition when, uh, I think it was, he almost got sucked into the black hole. We yeah. all saved him. And then Mint almost got sucked into a black hole, saved her too. And we all just finished the game because Jack knows deep down that he's a very good guy. And Kira definitely portrayed that. And these two did a very good job. And I think. We're reaching the end of this battle here. We have two characters left, our main characters. Yes, luck be, luck be a lady tonight. It is a lady tonight, actually. Two ladies. We have Rita Goldschmidt and Rhea Rollins. Now, the interesting thing about these two, they both, they also possess role rulers. Uh, Rita's ability is that of bad luck, basically to negate any energy surrounding her, making the customer feel wary, while Rio has the good luck energy, making the customers feel positive. The whole thing with Rita, the whole thing with these two is that they started off as childhood friends, and that Rita is trying, I guess Rita is helping Rio out with the casino work, and uh, we find out she's hired out as a new dealer. Over the series of battles that Kanye has instigated, you find out deep down inside she's not only working for Kanye, but all the others in Kanye's entourage, all the others who possess gates, those were actually her gates. What makes things even more interesting is that she's also Rio's half sister. Dun dun dun! <gasps> what a twist! Yes, to which Rio Wallace Tachibana. Uh, you know, she has a very sane disposition. It's worried to help others out for the, out of the goodness of her own heart. Never really had to bow for herself until these gate battles have started. The fact that she has to now bow her own half sister. Unrage fueled by a lie, if you can believe it, <laughs> from Kanye. At one point, Rita manages to win over Rio's gates before Rio decides to get back into the battle, acquiring a couple gate cards for both Dana and yeah, yeah, Dana and Yang Yang. She lo- she admittedly lost the confidence, but manages to build it back up in time wait, for the wait, final wait, gate on. battle. Rio didn't get the card from Yang Yang. 
Yeah, dump it dead. Yeah. No, 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 no. She she lost all those cards after fighting Yang Yang. No, 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 no. What? Up she had. She, I thought she only had Risa's and freaking um, Dana's. No, no, she got Risa's and Dana's after she lost her old heads. She, she got Risa's and Dana's after she lost her previous heads of cards that she wore the other gate back. Oh, you, yeah, okay, okay. I'm remembering things wrong because Cartier didn't want to bring Rena involved. That's what it was. I forgot. Yeah. Alright, so anyway. After she loses her cards, she manages to regain the self-confidence through the various network supportive friends she has. And the friends she made along the way because, you know, with the power of friendship can overcome anything. As that one guy that one episode said. <laughs> the heart of the cards, Yugi. The heart of the cards. Yeah, the heart of the cards to the point <laughs> that once she manages to recover with, with the help of Dana, Yang Yang, and Risa, who was a joker at the time. She manages to defeat Rita in the gate battle and open the Rainbow Gate. To which, when you open the Rainbow Gate, you're, you're granted one wish. It was never said vocally, but it was definitely implied that, you know, a wealth of good luck throughout the world was spread. And then, of course, you see the Rainbow Six Siege busted to come and take over, to which you find <laughs> out, to which you find out that there are insurgents in the International Casino Dealers Guild who wants to use that power for evil. I want to see my rainbow. <laughs> oh God! You want you, you want to see that rainbow? You want to see that rainbow Cardia? Bitch, eat a bag of Skittles. <laughs> no, 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 Cardia, eat a Twix bar. You're not you when you're hungry. Oh, boy. <laughs> that way, wait, wait. That was a Snickers, not Twix. Ah, shit. I fucked up the reference. Damn it. <laughs> you know what I mean. Oh, my God. So, anyway, once Rio achieves good luck, everything gets back to normal, and the two sisters reconcile. And playing these two is interesting because it's our ADR directors. Playing Rita Tachibana is Brittany Lana. And playing Rio Rollins Tachibana is Abilene Carter's. But Nilanda, you've also heard this Ichigo and Donnegan and the Franks. Yusuri heard Dr. Stone. Plug Cryostat and Trudin Chad. Yahiko and the Morose Mononokian franchise. And my Inichijo. Abilene Carter's, you've also heard this Brandish Mute fairy tale. Marie Adler and Infinite Dendrogram. Post Trans and Trudin Chad. Satwa Hosuki and Kono Oto Tomare. And again, tied to the gambling fee, Bakuran in One Piece film gold. Okay. I'm assuming I'm first, and I'm going to start with Brittany Lotta by saying this. I don't get to see Brittany play a lot of villain type roles in anime, usually. I want to see Brittany play more villain type roles in anime. <laughs> because, like,. With, first of all, Rena, I think, is one of the more mature-sounding characters in Britney's repertoire, because a lot of the roles that I know her for mostly are younger, at least teenagers and younger. Uh, and then there's Yahiko from Morosmanonokian, who is a gremlin child. <laughs> a gremlin fox child, I should say. Um, but no, this is probably one of the more mature characters that Britney gets to play. Um, so it's a little bit of a lower, her lower register, um... And it's very different than what I'm used to. And I think it actually works very well and lends very well to 
Rena's character, who is is supportive and very sweet, but she also is a little bit of a has like a no nonsense attitude to her as well, and it will also call bullshit on occasions. <laughs> like she's very very supportive to Rio. At least this this is this is long before we find out Rena's actual intentions. And it, I really enjoyed it and it worked very well. I think the stronger parts of the performance for Brittany is in the latter half of the show once we actually learn Rena's intentions. Because all of a sudden, Rena has a bit more complexity because she wants her revenge. She Because she wants to get back at Rio and um, Rio's mom, Risa, um, for everything that she's been put through in her life. But then it even goes a little bit deeper. <laughs> and it's like, I have my revenge. But I know this is all Carti is doing. I know she actually lied to me about shit. But if I let that go, I'm going to lose that, 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 that deep vengeance, that sense of self in a way. It's one of those weird tropes that it's like, I know they're lying. But if I stop believing in it, what does that mean for me? Oh, this has all been for nothing. It's one of those tropes. And Brittany portrays those layers very, very well. Um, and I really, really loved it. Again, I would love to see Brittany do more villain roles. I would love that. 100%. Let's go. Um, excuse me. As for Amberly Connors, I, Rio is very chill and very kind. And I really, Rio is probably one of the most chill characters that I've ever seen Amber play. And I have watched, fuck, I have watched Konota Tamare and Silver Guardian. <laughs> to which, oh, Silver Guardian. Um, this is probably one of the more chill, more relaxed, more kind-hearted characters that Amber has gotten to play. And I think... Her her voice and her performance lends very well to the character. Um, and again, similar to Rina, Rio also has to go through her complex moments too, where she is... Her confidence is built up, she's brought down to, like, rock bottom, and then she has to try and build herself back up again. Gen like, general trope going on here. Um, I will also say... And... <laughs> Rio is also very, very, despite the amount of cleavage and skin that she will show, she, <laughs> Rio is very innocent, actually, mm -hmm. because she just gets very, very flustered at the outfits that she's forced, basically forced to wear because of Tom Howard and his perverted mindset and some of the schemes that she's put through. Especially when, for lack of better phrasing, it, it turns into fucking strip poker, essentially. And she starts l losing pieces of clothing. Like, that that um, shootout game thing that she played in Rena with, versus, against Rena very early on. Like, she was, like, so embarrassed. Because, like, like, there goes the buttons on the front of her shirt. She There goes the buttons on her skirt. Her skirt's falling down. Like, she's just like, no! She's she's very very innocent, even though she's just this kind of skimpily. But she knows she knows it's also for the 
for the job, unfortunately. And by God, can we give this girl a vacation, please? Mm-hmm. This woman is overworked, and I would probably assume very underpaid. <laughs> Let's give this bitch a raise and a vacation, please. <laughs> like, she deserves it after all the shit she goes through. No, but, um... In general, I really do. It, I really did enjoy the performance Amber gave. It was much more chill compared to some of the other characters and roles that I've heard her play before. Um, but yeah, like this is a fun combination of two leading character, two leading ladies um, for this show, and I really do like this combination and dynamic. So I would love to see more of it. Okay, I'm on. Uh, I'm in strong agreement. I think these two give some really strong performances. Uh, I especially feel like they play off each other really well. Uh, you can really tell just the sense of camaraderie between the two of them, even before it turns out that they're actually related to each other. Um, it's just a really, like, you can just you can sense their, like, tight bond even when they're, like, you know, in competition with each other. Uh, whether in the beginning when it's more playful or towards the end when it's more serious. Uh, it's just it's just a lot of fun. Like Brittany does a really good job of making Rena seem, you know, very tough and assertive. Uh, very much the one who's like not going to take nearly as much crap. The one who's going to tell Howard to his face, like you're being gross. Stop it. <laughs> uh, and, and I think Amber does a good job of having Rena be the one who's like, uh, you know, a little more going to go with the flow because this is her job and it's what she gets paid to do. Um, and having a little more of sort of a, a wide-eyedness about her. Like, she's not, like, naive, per se, but there's a sort of, uh, you know, this... <coughs> she's a little more gung-ho. She's a little more spiritly. Um, it just... And especially between the two of them, I think it, they contrast each other really well. Like, I think, um, especially towards the end, I feel like their relationship is kind of the, the linchpin that the plot of the show kind of revolves around to a certain extent, and I think they both give really strong performances that, you know, as silly as the show is, and as much as it's not really about, like, the actual plot going on, I think they help sell that in a way where, like, even if you're not taking it seriously, per se, you buy it. You, you buy what's going on, you buy this relationship. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think even in a show as silly as this, that's something important to do, because, like, the show takes does take that seriously enough. Uh, and I think you can see in this dub that the dub also takes that seriously enough. Um, just like a nice, strong performance. I agree. I'd like to hear more of this combination of the two of them. I think they play off each other really well. Um, yeah, I'm just good. I liked it a lot. Hey, so I'm going to start with Brittany. Yeah, Brittany was very impressive in this role because, well, for what, you got the sweet, good nature side of her, then you got the feisty, angry side. And- she manages to battle the two aspects of Rita very well. And, uh, so pretty much, yeah, I would like to see Brittany more of the roles because, yeah, this is kind of impressive. Like, I don't, you only see her as a boss character very much lately, but uh, when, it, when, she get, well, when she gets right into it, it works because she kind of displays that even in contrast to Rio's aloofness, to which uh, Rio... It's 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 very interesting because Abilene Cardis I've either always pegged as the either the girl next door or the girl of Yadirish Tennessee's depending on what show you're watching sometimes. Like But yeah, we has this aloofness to her. I guess that's because of her, you know her ma- not her mastery but her ability with her role ruler because her role ruler she she stays married to the game, like literally. 
I mean, seriously, in one episode, she's in a wedding dress battling uh, Jason Bonocha in a card game. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That was like episode one, wasn't it? Yeah. Oh lordy. But but you know the fact that she she's uh, such a kind character, that she kind of has to play cheesecake sometimes, especially to her piggish boss uh, Tom Howard. To which, what the hell, Tom? The money's supposed to go to the MVCD. Why do you need your bank account? Cause 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 this is for my resort. I want all the money. I deserve it. You rich, Biot? (laughs) (laughs) Shit. I did not expect that. Oh, Jesus. I did it. That was like last second. But yeah, but yeah, Rio managed, I mean, Abba manages to play up the aspects of Rio very well, you know. Uh, Even though, you know, like this was only just a start for her, it, it definitely led to Something beautiful later on down the road. These two have actually grown as actors, I guess, because of this show. Because, you know, a lot of what this show is, is, yes, popcorn, it's cheesecake. I mean, hey, it's cheesecake with your cheesecake. What can I say? But But these performances were very strong and at the center of it all, you know? Like, mm-hmm. Because for the for the comedic moments it has, it definitely developed some serious moments at the back half of it. And I think as we lead into final thoughts, that's uh, that's pretty much kind of sums up everything. So, Steph, what are your th- final thoughts? Uh, my uh, my my brain hurting aside. Um, so this is a fun show. Mm-hmm. My brain hurting aside from the show's logic aside, because Lord Almighty, my, I was dying while watching it because it hurt my brain so much. Um, <laughs> it is silly, fun, popcorn material kind of show. It is your cheesecake, maybe some ham in there. I don't know. It's the good stuff. Um, that being said, the dub is not perfect. It is not perfect by any stretch of means. It is not fantastic, but it is also not a flaming hot pile of garbage. Um, Again, since this is a dub that is fairly early on in the repertoire of both Sound Cadence and Kocha Sound, there were a few small issues, mostly on the technical and possibly the logistical side of it um, when developing it. However, outside of that, (laughs) the performances range from nice chill fun characters to oh my god there is ham all over the place (laughs) and it just steals everything and runs with it it's the show they they went into the production of this knowing what the show is what it calls for and they had fun with it that is the key part with this dub it is a fun dub Again, not exceptional, not perfect. There are some rough patches, but they know that it's fun. They know what it is. They had a ball, and it shows. Um, So, yeah, if you want to spend an afternoon or so watching some (laughs) whack-ass fucking gambling and weird random Yu-Gi-Oh bullshit, (laughs) like... Go ahead and watch Rio Rainbow Gate. It's it's silly. It's fun. I I 
I am happy I finally watched this after years of Jamal telling me I should. Um, but it, it, and the dub is 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 it is a fun dub. It is a fun dub, and it paved <coughs> the way for even better dubs for both Sound Cadence and Coach of Sound. So. Okay, I'm on. Uh, like I said earlier, this show has no business being any good, really, just given what it what it is and how it kind of came about. Like this should be kind of this feels like it should be a lazy cash in. Instead, it's a lot of fun. It seems very aware of what it is. Uh, it does not try to front or fool you. Uh, it does not try to claim to be anything deeper than it is. It knows what it is. It's a lot of silly fan servicey hijinks. Uh, and it ends up being pretty entertaining as a consequence, and I think this dub really matches that very well. Uh, it's not going for high art, um, but it is going for just, like, a good fun time. You get fun jokes, you get some well-placed melodrama, you get some weirdness, and I think you get a lot of good, solid performances that really match the characters, therefore. Uh, and just help kind of, like... It just makes it a good, fun show. Like, this is not something I necessarily recommend to everybody, uh, but I feel like, you know, if I, if I feel like, oh, they would definitely enjoy Rio Rainbow Gate, I'd happily recommend the dub to them. Like, this is a really fun way to watch it. Uh, and I'm glad I got to do this episode, because I don't think I would have gotten around to the show if I hadn't. Um, so yeah, like, this is a fun time. I recommend it. So, like I said, when I first got interested in the show, it was kind of an Ashley trip. And, you know, that, that's the thing with us viewers stuff sometimes. It's like, you know, we, we pick what we like, we pick what interests us, but sometimes every once in a while you just gotta branch out into the unknown because you never know what you're gonna like unless you watch it, you know what I mean? There could be some good performances in the bad show, there could be bad performances in the good show, there could be good performances in the good show. You never know unless you try. So once I started getting into Media Blaster stuff, which I'm gonna be honest, half the time I kept thinking this was just sound cadence. The, I I really enjoyed what I like it. It made me aware of both studios, and you. And it also had me like just buying these Blu-rays that I wouldn't normally buy if they were streaming. To which like, and I know Mike Tool said it about some other dubs, but I would like to see this kind of stuff streaming once in a while. But uh, you know that that that's up to circumstance. What I will say about the dub, however, is that. Why? Yeah, they parse it the best they can, you know. Uh, a lot of people either recognize or don't recognize. Did cut their teeth, and they did have a lot of fun with it because that's the one thing about performing. Like you can have serious performances and serious stuff, but every once in a while, actors have to cut loose, you know. Otherwise, double becomes kind of a chore. And they can't have as much fun as they would have if they did cut loose every once in a while. So something like Real Rainbow Gate is. Very fun, very enjoyable, and definitely worth your time. It's also very cheap if you know where to look, too. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but, you know, this show is not for everybody. If I am going to recommend it to somebody, it's somebody that's, like, willing to give it a look without a second thought, you know? Or somebody that really enjoys comedy. Yeah. It, it it has a it has some fun laughs in there for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that haven't been said. If you want to see the show for yourself, it's on. It's available on Crunchyroll, on Verve, Toku TV, and Amazon Video. But they're all sub only right now. If you want to see the dub, however, 
is available on Blu-ray for white stuff wherever you purchase your anime. Uh, just a side note, it comes separate either Blu-ray or DVD. And if you look it, if you're gonna look it up, it's uh, under the title "Real Rainbow Gate Reshuffle." Oh yeah, just, I forgot there's an additional part of the title to it. Yeah, don't know why. That's just media blasters. But mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> well, that having been said, if you want to see us, any of the shenanigans we get up to, we're available on YouTube and Dub Talk Podcast on Twitch, Tumblr, uh, Instagram. Uh, Tumblr's already shuffled enough, you know. It's time to cash out. Yeah, it's dead. Mm. Mm-hmm. There's another way, too, you can hear us. Yes, on Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Uh, Podbean! Sure. Podbean, thank you very much. You're welcome. Yes, also, if you want to give your support to the podcast, uh, we're also available on Ko-Fi as well as Patreon, to which I want to thank our patrons in the $5 tier, Crimson Kingdom, Michelle Travis, Miraculous Corazon, Nico Robin, but with Yowie Heads, and Victor Maybarona. In our $10 tier, we have Anthony Simpson, B. Morris, Kyle Lestikow, Jacob Wilson, J2 aka Jared, Julia W, Salah Jace, and of course, Marissa Letty. Thank you all very much, you all wonderful people, for supporting this podcast. We love you. As for any of, as for any of us, what we get up to, ladies, ladies and gentlemen, plug yourselves. Ladies first, I guess. I've been going first this whole time. Uh, my name is Stephanie. I am also sometimes known as Lilac. You can follow me on Twitter at Lilac Anime Review, with review being spelled R E V U E. I also have a blog, Life and Times Otaku.wordpress.com, that I update on occasion, and I am currently working on a thing involving my anime children because I p- made a poll on Twitter and people want to see it. So, yeah, that's a thing. I'm on. I'm going to leave you for last for obvious reasons. All right. <laughs> We if, all know. Yeah, we we all know. If you want to hear me, I am. Ja- I can be found on Twitter at Jabstar529. I can be found on t- YouTube at Jabstar1. It can be found. Uh, I have a blog that's collected dust. I'm an assistant editor for the podcast. I'm also trying to get into solo podcasts regarding a uh, favorite anime topic of mine. But we'll see if that comes to fruition. And Ahmad. Where can we find you at? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at AmonDuelUS. Uh, Duel has two U's in it. I talk about movies and comic books and stuff like that. And I also talk about music. And consequently, I have a dusty old song for this episode. Would you like to hear it? Absolutely. Lay it on this, Amon. Uh, well, speaking of pretentious bullshit, Amon likes. <laughs> <laughs> Great way to show, start that sentence. This show is about games and gambling. You know what else is about games and gambling? Why the album and song The Turn of a Friendly Card by the Alan Parsons Project. Because <laughs> oh when I think of gambling, I think <gasps> of the band led by the guy who engineered Dark Side of the Moon. Oh, um, God. Wow. That's a good album. I highly recommend the title track, which is a five-part, 16-minute suite about the games people play and that kind of thing. Uh, the song The Games People Play is also about the games people play, so you know that's a good shot, too, if you only have four minutes to spare. Uh, if that's a little too artsy-fartsy for you, may I suggest Viva Las Vegas by Elvis? Which is also a good song, and it's only about three minutes, so, you know. Nice. It'll be over faster. Good to know. Can I make so, a stupid joke to follow this up? 
Sure. Go right ahead. I have a sealed song recommendation, but it's more for the fucking meme. <laughs> Go listen to September by Earth, Wind, and Fire. It is September 21st. It is September, it is September 21st, 21st when we record this. <laughs> oh, yeah. Side note. Happy birthday, Marissa Letty. Is Happy it her birthday. birthday today? No, it was, it was a couple days ago. I forgot. Oh. <laughs> oh. Happy happy belated birthday, Marissa. Yeah, so uh, before we head out, any final words or that's it? No final words except for the fact that why the fuck is there a loud-ass truck outside? This is the second fucking time. I'm sorry. New Jersey. <laughs> like, I swear to God, it's probably one of my neighbors... Who is who has who has to compensate for shit by getting a big ass truck with a fucking roaring engine or some horse shit, and it's bugging the fuck out of me. It's pi- uh, legit. It's getting picked up on my audio, and I fucking hate it. I am so glad I left there long ago. Uh. <laughs> anyway, for more of us here at Dub Talk, good night, Otaku on, keep on rolling. The dive status. Rock on Boston. Rock on Chicago. Good night, everybody. Good night. Good night.